Welcome back to the Wheel Every Weekend podcast, the world's best off-road podcast if you only know about our podcast. I think that's, that's pretty accurate. <laughs> I think it's pretty fair. This is, uh, well, we haven't recorded one of these in like a year, uh, even though I've been telling everyone we would, but that's kind of what we do. So if you believe us when we say things, it's your fault. That's all I got to say. So what are we going to talk about today, babe? Uh, I think we uh, asked the audience, right? Yeah, we're doing more audience questions. And then I feel like we owe people an update since literally everything in our lives is different now from the last time we recorded one, um, which is really why we haven't been able to record one in a while. Exactly. We I think the last time we did this was before we moved into this new house and we moved here in September and it is now end of February. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so man, I guess we've been here almost six months now. Uh, we moved out of our shop in El Cajon and we were living in Claremont and now we live up in Julian, which is awesome, man. I, I wish we did it sooner. It's, it's amazing. It's beautiful. <laughs> and so, uh, we have 10 acres up here, but I would say maybe only like four of them are usable max. Yeah. Um, the but- house has a shop on it, so we're not paying two separate rents, which, right. so it's actually pretty cheap for us. It's cheaper for sure to actually buy our own house with 10 acres. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of weird. Um, so it's been great up here. I don't it know. Has. Uh, I, so with COVID going on and pandemic craziness, uh, there have been a lot of tourists up here. So that's the one downside. Cause we moved further away from the city to get away from people. Yeah, it's gotten bad, dude. Like, there's just one stop sign in town, and it can get backed up there for, like, 30 minutes trying to get through when it's a holiday weekend because no one has anything else to do. Right. But Julian's still open, and, man, they are making money up oh here. Oh, my God. There are some random stores in town, and they are making a killing. Or the pie, dude. First yeah. of all, the Julian Pie Company isn't even in Julian. It's in Santa Isabel. And the same truck that brings the pies up to Julian also brings them to Vaughn's. So just get them at Vaughn's. And then the other place, their pie filling is not made with Julian apple pie. It's like they go on McMaster car and order 50 gallon drums of commercial grade apple pie filling and they make it with that. I also don't understand the the whole point of apple picking. Like in the fall, it's like, oh, okay, let's all flood up to Julian and pick apples. It's for Instagram photos. I guess that makes sense. So <laughs> there you go. But um, it's the Alabama Hills. It is. It's like the normal yeah. people. <laughs> <laughs> it's what uh, normal people do who don't go to Alabama Hills and have a McDouble while looking at the Sierras. So this house has a there's a pretty small shop here. It's only like 500 square feet. And it came with this in-ground lift that's from the 80s, I want to say. Well, it was built in the 90s. Yeah, so. but I think. Well. Um, but it's just like super old technology and there's no locks on the lift except a top out lock and like the arms don't lock or anything. So if you lose hydraulic pressure while you're working on a car, it'll just crush you to death. There's nothing (laughs) stopping it from killing you. And it's like missing some parts and also the cylinders, they aren't bled properly and equalized and there's an equalizing bar at the bottom and I think it's just junk. Um, and when you're lowering a vehicle, it does like the cabbage patch dance where like one side what? goes down like two inches and then the other side goes down two inches and goes like, wee boo, wee boo, oh, wee boo, wee boo. It's so yeah. scary, dude. It's for sure. I'm going to like, I'm going to drop a truck off it eventually. 
Also, you would think that an underground lift means more space, but it still takes up a lot of room. Yeah, it has like giant metal plates on it, so it takes up more room. And we have our other lift. Um, we have a barn, which I'm just using to like store our trash. And, but <laughs> and our great lift, which yeah. we weren't a huge fan of before, but it's a lot better than this. Yeah, so. it's a ton better than this, dude, mm-hmm. for sure. So I think we need to, uh, we're going to extend the shop and double it to bring it to just above a thousand square feet, which is the same size as our other shop was. And then we will probably just concrete up where the in-ground one was mm-hmm. and then just bolt that two post in. And it's yeah. so much safer, dude. It's just, it's at least newer technology. Yeah. So we have some improvements to make, but for the most part, we picked this house because we didn't want another project. We didn't want a house that we had to work on. The house itself is is perfect. There's nothing wrong with it. Yeah, it's great. Even uh, when the VA like home inspectors came out, they were like, wow, I don't know if I've ever seen one where I didn't really have anything to say about it. So it's awesome. Mm-hmm. There are no termites up here. Uh, it's on a well, propane. We're getting solar this week, supposedly. Oh, tomorrow, yeah. Yeah, I guess tomorrow. Um, and we've had a bunch of cool jobs since we've been here. Uh, which I'm super thankful for because it kind of keeps us afloat and then people buying from the online store and stuff. And I, I stay really busy with that. Another great part about this place is the location. So, I mean, obviously, if anybody has been in the San Diego area, in the Julian area, it's it's really pretty out here. And it's kind of in the mountains. We're 4,700 feet elevation. Um, but we're also about 30 minutes from the desert. So we can do some cool shock tuning stuff there and just go for little day trips and get away from even less people. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be dope. Uh, oh, but also with that being said, I think we just passed the one year anniversary of the last time I had a day off and our last camping trip. So we sure did. we're just wheel never now. We That's just true. work yeah. all the time. It's all we're, a pipe dream. <laughs> it is, yeah. It's kind of a facade. I'm just lying to you guys. So, <laughs> we, yeah. We really do need to get back out, though. It's, yeah. it's killing me slowly. It's bad, dude. I'm at the point where I'm not even sure if I like off-roading anymore. <laughs> um, I for sure hate the off-road industry. Um, well, yeah. I mean, there's, there's good parts and then there's bad parts about every industry, you know? Yeah. The people are the best and worst part of it, for yeah. sure. Um, I think like with everything, but yeah, so we've had some cool builds, we've done a couple of three link jobs, done some mobile welding, some website work, some social yeah. media stuff for other folks and just small things like that I normally do. And, mm-hmm. um, I would say that we are, have not worked a 40 hour week in a year, probably yeah. either of us. I would love to get back to working only 40 hours a week. That would be awesome. But I think that's a pipe dream, too. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it's actually great that we do have work. You know, a lot of people don't right now. So (laughs) that's true. Yeah, I complain about it. But at the same time, I'm pretty thankful for it as well. Mm -hmm. So. All right. Should we get into questions or comments or whatever? Other updates? I think that's that pretty much covers it. right? Yeah, it's not that interesting. I don't know. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Uh, Oh, should we talk about all the new tools we have? Yeah. Okay, so I finally got a real welder. We got a Miller 255 Multimatic, which is, um, it's like the bigger brother to the 252, 
but it uses an inverter. So it's about half the weight of the 252, but it has like higher output and better duty cycle and all this stuff. And it has auto set and everything. And so far, it seems like it's a great machine. The settings on it are trash. They aren't mm-hmm. as bad as the 220 we got that was yeah. absolutely junk. Um, I just need to learn how to use it. I need to put a smaller gun on it, too, because I do a mix of like heavy stuff and small tube work. And you can't use like a heavy production gun for your small tube work. It doesn't mm-hmm. fit in spots. Mm-hmm. Um, and then during Black Friday, we got a TIG welder. Which yeah. I still have not put together, but <laughs> that last three link job I did, I'm supposed to get a bunch of oxygen tanks that are out of hydro from him. Oh, good. Which yeah. I'm going to swap to air gas for um, some argon bottles. So then we mm-hmm. can finally mess around with it. And I have no idea how to TIG weld, but I am overly confident that I can just teach myself how to with YouTube like I do everything. Yeah, that's that's an understatement. Yeah. So I, I'm excited to learn that. Yeah, it should be dope. We've been wanting to learn for literally like four years. Like at one point mm-hmm. we signed up for a class, but then um, the guy gave our spot away to the Scotal guy, which is kind of a bummer. Um, yeah, that one stings a bit, huh? Yeah, it does. I was like, God, <laughs> out of everyone, man. So yeah, man, uh, stoked on that. We finally got a tube roller too. I'm doing a couple exos with yeah. it. I'm super stoked about that because you just can't, you can't like match the body lines of a lot of trucks with the radius of a tube bender. You have mm-hmm. to roll some parts of it. It's not good for everything, but some parts of it, it's really key for. And exos are hard, man, because yeah. they have to be a certain distance away from the body because I don't do that stuff where you like hard mount the body to the frame. I think that's super dumb um, unless it's like a race truck. But if you're going to drive it on the road, it's terrible for it. And it just vibrates so bad. So it has to be like a little bit away from the body. But then it has to be close enough that it doesn't look like a jungle gym. So I think the tube roller mm, will be key for that. I know. I also think um, it makes me excited that we can. We're, we're one step closer to building a tube buggy. Yes, true. That mm. is uh, kind of our final goal. Should we talk about? Um, I don't think we have any other tools to talk about, really. Oh, we have a uh, plasma yeah. table now, <laughs> which um, I got, what, a couple months ago. And then it was missing a bunch of parts. And mm. they um underbent a couple of the parts and i've emailed them like three times and they're just ghosting me about it which is super dope so i just i like torched them and fixtured them and rewelded them so that they were bent correctly mm-hmm. and now i just have to put it back together but i just lost so much steam on it it was frustrating to get all excited spend all this money get the the table that we want and then don't forget they completely forgot to give us the computer yeah <laughs> It was missing like a thousand dollars worth of stuff. And I drove mm-hmm. up to get it. And also um, they told me to be there at two thirty. And I showed up at like two fifteen because early is on time on time is late and late is unacceptable. And they were like, oh, you're you missed the class. You have to wait for the next one. And I was like, I'm looking at the email here and it says be here at two thirty. I'm here 15 minutes early. And they were like, oh, no, the class starts at two. I told you two. I was like, the email's right here. And they were like, oh, sorry. And then I had to wait there for like four hours to load the thing, get the class, and then drive back home eight hours. I know. So frustrating. Yeah. That was a nightmare. But that's just kind of how everything goes. So at this point, I just expect it. Yeah. So we just need to finish it. Yeah. And start using it. I'm really excited to start using it on like lots of things, not just truck stuff. Yeah. We got a bunch (laughs) of plans where we make fence panels and stuff, but... Yeah, for some reason, like everything I buy is like that. Like I bought a drive shaft a month ago and the dude said one to three weeks 
And I've sent him five emails since the three-week mark, and then I finally called him, and he said it might ship this week, which is like double the amount of time that he told me. And he wasn't like, sorry, nothing. He was just like, oh, I might be able to get it out this week. I'm like, what the fuck do you say? And then, of course, I don't know. It's a guy I've been recommending for since 2009. I've been recommending this dude for drive shafts. And I just looked, and he has a one-star oh, on Yelp. So I guess he's... Just like this. Because come to think of it, I've tried to buy five drive shafts from him, and I've only received one. Why, why are you recommending him? I don't know. I thought he was the best. <laughs> but then now I think I should be recommending like Tom Woods or Adam's drive shafts or something Tom instead. Tom Woods is fast. Dude, they're so fast. I don't know how they make any money. Because you call them, and then it's like 48 hours later, you have a balanced drive shaft on your door. Like the paint on it is still wet. Yeah. I don't, it's, it's literally... At our old shop, I was two blocks away from a drive shaft place, Mm -hmm. and Tom Woods was still faster. To have them make it in Washington and ship it, it was faster and cheaper and, I think, better quality. Yeah. So, kudos to them, man. They're killer. Yeah. And I see some people try and, like, tag them to try and get free stuff out of them. I'm like, dude, their drive shafts are so cheap, and you get them in... It's faster than Amazon Prime, and they're, like, $400 (laughs) drive shafts. Are you kidding me? You're trying to get them for cheaper? Like oh, God, man. scumbags. <laughs> so, um, another well, it's not really a tool, but something else that we got that's pretty exciting was our Valentine's Day gifts to each other. Oh yeah, well, mm. so I got us uh, heated jackets. I got Brittany one for Valentine's Day, and then I got myself one as a present to her for Valentine's Day, so she would actually have something to give me. I know it was great. Yeah. Um, and those things are dope. They're the, like, they run off the M18, which is the battery size that like our smaller mm-hmm. tools use. And it'll last for like eight hours and it's, yeah. it'll be like 40 in the shop. And I guess I'm acclimated to the cold now. I was just going to say we're, we're becoming mountain people. I know, dude, it was 48 in the <laughs> shop today and I had the door open and like my jacket on unzipped. So I think I was wearing shorts. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's, uh, we're going to be dying during the summer. That's all I, I got to say. We're going to be ruined. But those things are great, man. I'm excited for camping. In exactly. Those. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine all those times that you were shoveling out? Or, uh, let me correct that. All those times I was shoveling the truck out of the snow. <laughs> oh, yeah. The one time. Yeah, I remember <laughs> that. I'm, you get it stuck and I have to shovel. <laughs> no, that's not accurate. No one believes that. I'm going to edit that part out. <laughs> Just you watch. Wait here. I can do the clap. And then I'll, I'll be able to see it in the thing and edit it out. Yeah, everyone Whatever. knows you're too lazy to do that. Yeah, <laughs> damn it. All right. Uh, I'm also excited for sleeping in it, though, too, because we have spent some cold nights. That's true. Uh, which mm-hmm. is something we got to address. I would really like to put a wedge camper of some kind on our double cab because mm-hmm. we're going to keep the stock bed on it. But I'm going to do the absolute weirdest suspension setup yeah, on the planet on it. Let's talk about our build that's uh, yeah. actually going to happen. Should we talk about all the builds we've thought about doing? And then lead into yeah, the one, the that, one we're that we're actually really going to do? Yeah. Okay. So right. the first thing we're going to do is I wanted to build uh, an electric truck for hammers. And I had like the Tesla motors, everything lined up. But ours was going to be like 1300 horsepower, linear torque curve, no gears, 40 inch tires, the whole thing. Because I wanted it to be competitive with the gas cars. Mm-hmm. And I... I my goal was to make other people feel like silly for bringing a gas vehicles, but um, it costs like a hundred thousand oh, dollars just expensive. for the batteries. Yeah, it's crazy. So we obviously can't afford that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you guys know us. So then unfortunately I had to wash that idea out. And then um, 
we're going to build a two-wheel drive Tundra. I think from now on, when I build trucks, I'm going to buy a two-wheel drive one. Because I really? don't... Yeah, I don't want any of the stock four-wheel drive stuff ever. Mm. I cut it all off. And I especially don't want the four-wheel drive transfer case. Mm. It's not low enough gearing. You can't, like, really rock crawl with a stock transfer case. It doesn't work. Yeah. And then uh, it's cheaper, too. Yeah. For starting out. <laughs> yeah. And then you, and you're just going to break stuff. Because right. the gears are too high. And it's just, it's not fun to crawl with too high gears in the T-case. For uh, sure. No. Yeah. It's a bad time. It's also bad decisions. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that was my plan. I was going to get the two-wheel drive, the one that's a double cab, but the cab is kind of small. And then we're going to put the tons under it and uh, some, like, 3.0 internal bypass coilovers in the front and trailing arms in the back. Then we're going to use to tow a small trailer out and use it for, like, shows and stuff, which I think, unfortunately, we have to start going to when that happens again. Um, we still got time. I, yeah. I'm not convinced that... People can start going in person everywhere. No. Just yet. No. Everyone's excited, but I think it's going to take a while. Yeah, I think we still got another couple months for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and then our other build was going, we, well, I should just finish our extra cab. I have 130 hours worth of work to do on it. So if I sat down for maybe like a week, I could probably finish it. But I don't have the motivation to do it. Like for some reason... I would just like rather die than weld you know, on it right now. We have spent a lot of time on this particular truck and it's been great. Obviously we have, well, no, <laughs> I was gonna say we have no complaints, but you're the king of complaints. So, um, <laughs> uh, but it's been, it's been great and it's, it's gotten us so far and I think it's, I think it's okay to move on and build something new, you know? Yeah. I'm just, there's so much like last minute stuff on it. I'm not proud of it. And so many people have asked me if they can buy it. And I'm just like, dude, you don't want to buy it. Like there's so many things that I just refuse to actually fix on it. Like if, if that truck was a customer's vehicle, it would never be allowed to leave the shop looking like that. Well, ever. yeah. And that's good. <laughs> I also think that you're kind of a perfectionist. Like it's fine. Really? It's not. But what we both, what we both see, we, we kind of disagree here. I, mm-hmm. I think it's fine. But what we both can agree on and what we have agreed on is that we can't handle the cab anymore. <laughs> oh, dude, it's just ruined, man. When you pull the cup holder out, the entire dash comes out with yeah. it. You have to hold the dash with one hand and pull the cup holders out with the other. And the windshield cracked. I'm so dumb, dude. I cracked it with a crowbar. Like yeah. no other reason. And, and you were you were purposely being careful because the exo is already done. Yeah. And I just cracked it, dude. And now even just sitting there, the crack has gotten to be over a foot long. And it started out like two inches long. And just from heat cycles, it's gotten bigger. I know. And you got to cut the entire exo off to do the windshield because I wanted the exo to be tight so it didn't look like a jungle gym. I know. It looked good and it did well. But now we're shopping for vehicles based on center consoles. (laughs) Yeah, I want a center console too. We didn't have one forever, and then I just sheet metal screwed an ammo can into the middle, and that was great. Dude. It was. That was a huge quality of life improvement on our end. But yeah. it had kind of sharp edges, and I was worried about the oh, moosey poops. Puppy. Yeah, maybe getting like caught on it or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so right now, I think our plan is to build the double cab next. And the double cab is fine. It's supercharged. Um, it's a 2004. It's the highest trim level. Last year, they made it. Best motor they made. The TRD supercharger is kind of junk, but um, it does have the seventh injector and all the stuff on it. Mm -hmm. And it runs fine. 
Yeah. I thought maybe it had a blown head gasket because I kept smelling <laughs> antifreeze for six months. And so I did like a leak down test. I put the little like head gasket goop in it that turns mm-hmm. colors if there's combustion gases in the radiator and everything. And then I finally looked at it the other day and I was like, oh, the plastic radiator is just leaking right at the top where you can see it. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of like that's what I do. I'm always trying to shoot the 300 meter target but missing the five meter one. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's a, that's a really good description. I really <laughs> don't like the face you made when you said that, but okay. Um, but yeah, so the double cab is something that we have always talked about doing. It is yeah. definitely a build that we are going to do no matter what. So we figure, let's just start it. Let's mm-hmm. just do it and have something at some point this year that we can wheel. Yeah, and the double cab was always the truck when I was a kid. That I wanted. Mm-hmm. Like when I first got into this, I saw people with double cap V6 Tacomas and like they might as well have been McLarens to me because in my mind, I could never afford them. Yeah. Like I I never imagined that I would be able to afford a V6 double cab 2004 Tacoma. It just <laughs> it was so out of my realm of possibility when yeah. I first got into wheeling and I always wanted to build one. So I have a really cool suspension design for the back. What I'm going to do is... um Kind of there's like the fender well section in the front of the bed. It has that super tiny five foot bed on it. And then behind the fender wells, there's some open space, um, which Mm -hmm. is actually the flat part of the bed. So I'm going to cut that out, extend the fender wells back, and I'm going to do a mezzanine in the rear. We have some like 11 inch bypasses, and I'll probably just pair those with some like uh, 12 inch coil carriers. And then I'm also going to do airbags on it as well, which will be adjustable. So that's how it'll handle varying load. So that way we can take it to like shows and stuff and load it up full of bullshit. Um, And then I also have trailing arms. Um, The next thing I'm doing trailing arms on, I'm not going to use an anti-wobble or anything. I'm going to have a control arm that attaches to the center point of the rotation of the trailing arm. So like off the uniball, I'll shoot a tube up with a heim and then I'll attach a control arm to that. And I did the math on it. And if they're both like eight to 12 inches long, that control arm will hold the trailing arm and stop it from wobbling. And it'll only change the degrees as the suspension droops by like 2.7 degrees or something. Um, I plugged it into the arc calculator. Wait, so where does it get mounted? On the front of the trailing arm. You know, our, our On trailing the arm. Frame side? Yeah. So our trailing arm stops the shocks from rotating in two ways. Mm-hmm. So if you mount the shocks above the center line of the link on a trailing arm, it's going to want to roll the link sideways. As it pushes it up and down. So the way you can get around that two ways. At the frame side, you can put a bushing or an anti-wobble, which physically stops the rotation. Mm -hmm. And then the other way is to mount the shocks below the center line. And if it's below the center line, it won't want to rotate it. It'll want to stay straight. So usually people do both because if you smash it into a rock, it can still over-rotate the shock eyes. So the issue is that the lower arm can rotate so far that it binds the lower eyelets on the shocks. Okay. But the way I'm going to do it is just with, I'm going to have like the trailing arms go forward and then I'm going to have another link that goes sideways to the trailing arm. And that's what will control rotation. I saw it on a um, BMW spec rally car that they built Mm. in the nineties. And it had like kind of a trailing arm setup that was like that. And Mm -hmm. I was like, Oh, I can do that. (laughs) But so my original thought was just to do trailing arms with that on the truck. But um, I'm also going to do a three link, keep the stock gas tank, but I'm not using a pan hard. And so, because I'm not using the pan hard, I wanted to fully triangulate 
the lower links. Well, not fully because I want the roll center to not be trash. So I'm going to like semi triangulate the lower links, which will okay. take a ton of stress out of the lateral locating mechanism, which in this case will be a Watts link on top of the diff. So it's going to have right. lowers that are semi triangulated, a Watts link on top of the diff, and then a mezzanine that's hidden in the bed. And it should be totally sealed and it would be dope to do like a wedge camper on the back and then be totally sealed and we get dirt in. Mm-hmm. But also the point of this truck is that it advertises our security mounts. <laughs> so I guess that doesn't really work, which is too bad. Because um, I'm also building a rack that will have all of our security mounts on it. But we could also have a little adventure trailer with that and then we'd mm-hmm. be able to actually like have product in it. Yeah. But I don't know. That and a small adventure trailer might be terrible. I hate adventure trailers, dude. I know. I just have, like, something against them. I think it's... Well, it just seems like a pain in the ass. Dude, and you're limited to, like, 15 miles an hour off-road. There Mm -hmm. are none that you can actually drive fast in. Do you remember when we saw all those Jeeps pulling adventure trailers on the Rubicon? Yeah, it's like, I don't... It doesn't seem fun to me. Right. Why would you do the Rubicon with a trailer? I don't know. And why do you need that much stuff on the Rubicon? That's true, Like, you're... (laughs) You are nine miles away from civilization at any time. Do you really need a trailer? <laughs> but I think we, they're just doing it to say they did it. We literally ran out of water one time. <laughs> Drinkable water on the Rubicon. Well, and we were fine. Yeah, we didn't die. <laughs> we just boiled some water and we lived like hobos for a little bit. <laughs> that trip was rough. That, that was, was one of my favorite trips. Yeah, that was probably my favorite trip of all time with Alex and Jenna. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, that was Frosty four-wheeler. Yeah. Who now has a recovery business in Mammoth. Dude, there are some days he's pulling out like 10 people that are stuck in the snow. It's insane. It looks super fun. I know. (laughs) It's nice to see him pulling someone out that isn't us. You know what I mean? (laughs) That's a good point. (laughs) Because it's usually just us. You know. So, yeah, it seems like they're doing good. Yeah. Except he threatens to sell his truck like once a week. Oh, my God. That thing is so cool. Yeah, beautiful. You guys haven't seen it. I posted on our Instagram. It's like an 85 Toyota pickup that they, the previous owner like painted it with house paint and they started to sand it and it has like perfect patina on it. So they just Mm -hmm. clear coated over the patina and then it's just like brand new looking. It's so clean. Yeah. It's like showroom quality clean. Mm -hmm. It's so nice. And that thing is what's pulling people out of the snow and mammoth. 37 inch (laughs) Maxis and it just rips people out. Everything's dope. (laughs) Um, yeah, so if you're ever stuck in Mammoth, give him a call. Yeah. Frosty um, four-wheeler. Yeah. So, oh, and the double cab, we have shave kits for the front and rear axle. So we're doing 05 plus Super Duties, which I think is like mm-hmm. the best front axle. It has the best turning radius. They updated the ball joints from the mm-hmm. 99-304 axles. So they're actually pretty strong. And you get like another 15 degrees of steering out of them. And speaking of Valentine's Day gifts... Those were a gift for Valentine's Day from you to me. Yeah, they were. Mm-hmm. But then you never did anything with them. Oh so my God, I could never get lift time. That is true. Yeah. <laughs> I was too busy working on my stuff for other people's stuff. Yeah. So, oh, well. Um, but it'll be cool to have them shave front and rear. Mm-hmm. We have an e-locker for the front. And then I got an aux locker, which is a mechanical locker, but it actually uses the diff cover to actuate it there's like a shift fork in the diff cover and then you you run a cable into the cab so it's all mechanical which is dope because i absolutely cannot stand air lockers they are my nemesis none of them work no i've yet to have a single one in the shop that doesn't leak yeah and arb's customer service is trash it's so bad there's like it's one thing to have a warranty on the product but 
they make it impossible to actually use the warranty. That's how they can offer it. Mm. It's so hard. I still need to get the seal from them. It's been like a year going back and forth with them about it. Yeah, that's frustrating. Yeah, it's. I hate it, dude. It's, it's honestly, that's like my least favorite thing about the off-road industry is that all these companies just get away with having trash. So uh, that being said, we're probably going to put an ARB in this one. <laughs> <laughs> Because the ox locker, uh, I I was going to like cut out the center of it and weld it into the shave kit. But the ballistic shave kit is like a crazy shape. It like cuts around the ring gear and stuff. I'm kind of wondering if the diff cover is going to create oiling issues because it's like really? super tight to the ring gear. And it looks so, super clean though. Yeah, it looks dope, but I think it's going to cause oiling issues. I think it's going to cause oil starvations on those, uh, whatever the side bearings are called. Man, I don't remember it. It's been a while since I set up gears. <laughs> Hmm. Hmm. I don't say they're carrier bearings, but I know that's the center part of the drive shaft. Maybe they are. They're in a carrier. Well, anyways, I don't know what that is. <laughs> but yeah, so we're probably going to use an air locker on those. And then I was hoping to be able to use a CO2 tank instead of an ARB compressor for this too, because it's so much faster. It's but we, yeah, we're going to have to use the ARB because if you have a CO2 tank and air lockers and they leak, you just run out of CO2 in like an hour of wheeling. So. Yeah, there's no point. Also, yeah, I mean, when we, so we had a CO2 set up before. We, yeah, we have one. It's sitting. It's actually it's right, right there. behind us. I can yeah. touch it. Yeah. Um, but we we constantly had to remember. Oh, did we fill it? Oh, it's empty, and we're about to go on a trip. Yeah, That's and then, just because we don't plan, but yeah. <laughs> and we live so far away from town now too, and at least like with our uh-huh. CO2 tank, uh, you just bring it and they just exchange it for a full one, so you don't have to like wait for it to be filled or anything. But if mm-hmm. you have like a tank that you own that you care about. You have to drop it off and then wait like two days and then come back and get it. Right. For them to fill it. And it's nev- they're never open when you need it. So. Yeah, they're open Monday through Friday, like nine to four. Right. Like, awesome. Cool. So right. When, when I'm working. going to go on a trip, they're like closed. And yeah. Like, oh, crap. So, I don't know. I mean, there's benefits to having yeah. the air compressor. I'd rather just wait for the compressor, I guess. It doesn't bother me much. So. So yeah, we're gonna we're gonna actually do the double cap, and we have we have wheels, we have tires, yeah, pretty much pretty much we have everything, right? We Almost can, everything, yeah. yeah. We just need that rear locker, and then we're good to go. Yeah, and I think I want to do aluminum links on it because I want this to be like my super cool, like everything I wanted to do when I was a teenager but never could. Okay. Although I'm worried about just breaking the aluminum links because I've seen say, a ton why? bend. Yeah, what's the benefit of aluminum links? Well, they advertise them as being lighter, but they actually aren't because they're solid. So they end up weighing the same as steel. And then they say they don't bend. But then I've seen like 10 people bend their aluminum links. So I don't know. What but I like, like to do. Why, why, do, why does it matter if they're lighter? Because it's low on the truck. Yeah, that's true. You have a good point. It's below your center of gravity. Right. So you would want it to be heavier because <laughs> then it would make it better. I don't know, dude. People are crazy, man. For some reason, they're always concerned about like not adding weight below their center of gravity height, which doesn't make any sense. Right. And then they'll put they'll strap shit on the roof. Like, what, right. what are you doing <laughs> right now, dude? <laughs> it should not make any sense. Um, what I'll probably end up doing is I'll get some chromoly like 188 wall and then I'll just sleeve it with uh, whatever, 7075 mm-hmm. aluminum. And uh, but I have to TIG weld it because uh, MIG welding chromoly is kind of crap because you can put a bunch of heat and you can make it brittle and stuff. But mm-hmm. TIG is just way better for it. You can use like chromoly specific filler too. And it's, mm-hmm. it's just way better. So in the future, when I actually learn how to TIG weld, that mm-hmm. should be great. 
with our new TIG welder. Yeah, which we haven't even put all the way together because I don't have bottles for it. So right. that'd be nice. And we, we need a welding cart for it. Yeah, dude. So neither of the welders fit on our welding carts, too. That's another thing, too. I messaged this, like, guy who makes really nice welding carts specific for them. Mm-hmm. And I sent him, like, two emails asking what the lead times are because it says to email him asking about lead times. And he just blew me off. So I was like, well, like, I don't understand. You can't, like, I'm going to buy your product. I'm not asking for a discount, nothing. I'm asking, like, I will purchase your product. <laughs> when will I receive it? How can I give you money? Yeah, it's like Marlon Crawler exactly. all over again. You're just <laughs> fighting to give them money. <laughs> it's crazy. Oh, Marlon yeah. Crawler finally released their long travel kit. That's like, oh. it kind of looks like the first gen all pro kit from like 2007. Where it like goes up and out. And I guess they're not doing the Marac steering rack. Um, Solo Motorsports, though, has like a second gen Tundra steering rack adapter thing that you can just bolt that in, mm-hmm. on, at least on a second gen Tacoma. I don't know if it works for the third gen. But theirs is seven grand and it doesn't come with um, the steering rack, which I believe you need the aftermarket steering rack because their kit changes your suspension geometry. So it'll bump steer without it. I could be totally lying. So don't put me <laughs> on that. And you need the um, like chromoly axles. And you need the coilovers. And one of the things I was disappointed to see is that the part number they list for the coilovers is just like a universal valving part number. They haven't had anything like valve specifically to their kit, which mm-hmm. is like my huge pet peeve that people spend so much money on long travel. And then mm-hmm. they just put universal valve and coilovers on it. Or even worse, they put universal valve and coilovers on it. And then they put universal valving bypasses on top of it, too. <laughs> and then neither of them are tuned and you just have full valving in both. And people, it's just like the stock suspension is so bad that people think it's a lot better, but like you're not getting your money's worth out of the kit. Mm -hmm. So with all the stuff for it, I think it's um, just under $12,000. Oh my God. Yeah, dude, it's a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Which is more than I have ever spent on an entire truck ever in my entire life. Just for their front suspension. true, yeah. Not installed. So installation is probably going to be like, I would guess two grand maybe. Um, Hmm. It seems like a good kit. Admittedly, if you have a third gen Tacoma and your plan is to keep it forever and wheel it, it's probably a good option for you because I don't think you should solid axle swap third gen Tacomas, which I think I've gone over probably too many times Yeah, and beaten that to death. Um, People still do it and it gets them likes (laughs) and that's all I got to say about it. (laughs) Yeah. So I don't know. All right. So that's our plan. Yeah, I guess what we were talking about. We were talking about our future and um, pipe dream builds, right? Oh, yeah. Well, and then so for the double cab, I think we have the valving for our truck nailed pretty good. Bilstein's helped us out a ton with it. Yeah. And um, so we take the 60 millimeter coilover, swap it from a digressive to a linear piston, and then it has a bunch of bleed in the compression. And then we take some of the... Rebound out too because we're using super light springs because it's a 16 inch coilover. So the longer the coilover, the lighter springs that you need. Mm-hmm. Because, like, let's say you have a 16 inch coilover and you have six inches of shock shaft showing at ride height, you need a spring rate that will be compressed 10 inches at ride height. Okay. Whereas if you have a 12 inch coilover and you have six inches of shock shaft showing at ride height, you need a spring rate that's six inches yeah. compressed at ride height. Um, and you need some preload too. So I'd like two inches of that, but it can change your, um, mm-hmm. spring rate a ton. 
And I personally like a really soft spring rate. And that's the other thing too. Suspension is so subjective that like mm-hmm. I see people on Instagram and they do like a three link where they just put the links wherever they want. And then they just put untuned coilovers on it. And they're like, yeah, it rides awesome. It's fucking dial, dude. It's sick, bro. And I'm like, you know what? Suspension is subjective. So if you think that, then it's true. And great. Yeah. yeah it's that's awesome, for you. dude. Good yeah. for you. Mm-hmm. Killer. Um, but I am anal. Yes. Wow. <laughs> you guys should have seen the look on her face when she said that. But so my definitions of what's good and other people's, I think, is different because, like, I can't stand the way a Toyota IFS steering box feels. It's sloppy and I think it's junk. And I even set them up right with the steering arm angled. So what a lot of people do is they set up the steering box so it's flat. And what happens oh, okay, is yeah. the steering mm-hmm. rod comes into it at an angle and you joints don't travel in a circle. They travel in an ellipse. Mm-hmm. And so when you have that ellipse. You're putting in a weird motion ratio into it as you're turning the wheel. And also that steering arm is just moving side to side. Okay. So what happens is when you tilt it up, the steering arm is not only moving side to side, but it's also moving up and down. Mm -hmm, So -hmm. you actually get more turning angle out of it because the tie rod is not only moving left and right, but it's also getting closer to the axle as you're turning more. Okay. And what happens is in the middle of the steering arm, like with it pointed completely straight, you actually have a little bit less steering. So it puts like a, a nice ratio into it. So when you're on the freeway, that center point, mm-hmm. you can set it up. So the ram has just a bit of slop in it. And because that steering arm is also displacing um, up and down as mm-hmm. the arc swings, but it doesn't do it that much in the center part of it, mm-hmm. only towards the end of the arc, um, you can kind of quiet down the way a ram feels on the freeway. And then... When you're turning in tight trails, the last like little bit of your turning will do much more steering um, proportionally than the center part will. Okay, yeah. That makes sense at all? No, yeah, I totally followed that for some reason. Huh, weird. <laughs> that doesn't usually happen. And it won't do that ellipse thing too, which also screws up um, if you don't have any slip in your drive shaft. Mm-hmm. Well, not your drive shaft. I, if you don't have any slip in your steering rod, like mm-hmm. a drive shaft would have. It'll okay. screw it up and it'll bind your U-joints and stuff. And then a lot of those U-joints are kind of junk to begin with. So you, they really need all the help they can get. Well, so in the front of our um, double cab, I think I'm just going to do like normal 16-inch coilovers. I don't really think that you should do 16-inch coilovers. They're a pain in the ass to package. Ours touch our hood. That's how much up travel we have. I know. They literally rub the top, like the anodizing on the aluminum is rubbing off on the hood. So it was like a whole thing to try not to cut into our hood because we really did not want the coilovers to stick up through the hood. Yeah, because I thought that would look too ridiculous. And then meanwhile, <laughs> look at the rest of the truck, right? So this is this is how I like, I don't know why I'm like this. I just like, <laughs> I make my life more complicated for you no reason. Do. That's why you, you all remember when we were going to build the double cab. It was just going to be a simple, well, simple for us. Yeah. I should say. Three link tons, Chevy 63s. 40s. Yeah. Yeah. Tune some 7100s for the rear for the Chevys like I did before. Right. Just call it good. Right. Even if you did trailing runs in the back or link the back, Mm -hmm. that's fine too. Yeah. But But instead. instead (laughs) Yeah. Instead, I got to do a Watts link on top of the diff, a mezzanine, semi-triangulated lowers, and then. Um, I'm going to get a custom drive shaft made because I want the, um, upper short enough and in the right spot so that anti-squat lowers on droop. That's a new thing I'm all about. 
Um, that way, like if you're going down a hill and the rear end unloads a little bit and droops mm-hmm. out when your anti-squat lowers and you hit the gas, it's going to suck that rear end back, th- back down and plant it. So that way you can achieve like 80 to hundred percent anti-squat at ride height. But then when you're crawling and it's drooping out, mm-hmm. you still get that traction and that motion transfer that you want. Well, not motion transfer, that weight transfer that you want to be okay. fair. Um, <laughs> well, it'll be interesting. Yeah, I think it'll be good. Yeah. And then the front's going to be normal. We're going to leave a lot of the fenders and stuff. And uh, I don't know. Yeah. It'll be kind of like that last three-link truck I just built. That thing is great. I set that truck up. Uh, I biased it towards daily driving. So throughout its 16 inches of suspension travel, or at least the like six inches around ride height, which is all that really matters for daily driving, it's caster changes by less than half a degree. So mm. your steering input is completely consistent. And I took its oversteer from like 14 degrees down to five. Mm-hmm. And it honestly, dude, it rides so nice. It's like you can feel it in the turns. It still has yeah. some issues that I'm going to work on, I think, next week. But you can feel it. Like these windy mountain roads, it's awesome. On. Yeah. You just turn the wheel once and then you give it consistent steering input around the turn. You don't have to like fucking walk the steering wheel back and forth to right. make the turn correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, it was sketchy driving it up here. Yeah, it was so bad driving it up here, dude. Mm-hmm. That's probably the worst link suspension I've ever seen yeah. in my entire life. Yeah. Like bar none. It was so bad. Yeah. it Out of 14 inches of coilover, it used seven of them. Yeah. It, it was like a stock yeah. Tacoma. <laughs> yeah, it had stock Tacoma levels of travel. The pan mm-hmm. hard bar um, bottomed out on the diff with four and a half inches of shock showing on one side and the other side bottomed out into the automatic transmission hard lines with four inches of shock shaft showing. And then it bound <laughs> the drive shaft um, three inches before the limit straps started to do anything. Oh, yeah. And then also the limit straps don't do anything. They stretch past the point that the axle or that the shocks will let them droop to. So this is what I hate when people like set up trucks and they're like, yeah, I have like eight inches of up travel at a 20 inch belly height. I'm like, do you, do you really, or is your truck built like that? And almost every time it's built like that. Yeah. <laughs> people just, they don't understand it. And the brakes were bad and yeah. everything. Yeah, so I found a part number for a master cylinder that instead of a one and a quarter bore, it's a one and an eighth bore, and the brake lines come out on the other side of it. Oh. But it fits that same adapter. That way the brake lines won't come out where the coilover is. Yeah. I think it'll be dope. So I'm going to put that in. I'm going to put a check valve in where the brake booster is. Mm -hmm. They come with a check valve in them, but they're all junk. None of them hold pressure. Mm -hmm. Uh, So you can put a check valve in. And then so what happens is like you're on the gas on the freeway. You let off the gas to hit the brakes because you're slowing down and you lose all that like manifold vacuum. Mm -hmm. And because that one-way valve is leaking, you don't have as much brake pressure as you should. So you can spend like five bucks on a one-way valve and it fixes it. And then you can use whatever junkyard brake booster you want. So his has a dual diaphragm booster and I did pump it up to the whatever like inches of mercury or some Mm -hmm. crazy shit it's supposed to be. And then the brake pedal feel was excellent. Um, hmm. and has drums in the rear too. And so the master I got is set for discs and drums, but I'll probably put a proportioning valve in it as well because it's, it's never really the right pressure or flow. Uh, and also to having the master set for drums in the rear, will give it a 10 pound residual valve for the rear, which will help break pedal feel as well, instead of having a two pound, which is for a disc or some of them don't have any, which is also bad. 
Got it. So, yeah, that's all things I've learned over the past decade of having terrible breaks. And now I'm like super serious about breaks and they have to be good. Except that time. I think that's pretty important. Yeah, breaks and steering are the two things that I will absolutely not fuck around with. Like all our steering is dual shear. We have the safety washers on everything. Right. Um, Super safe with the steering box and the mechanical linkage and everything. The ram and everything. Yeah. yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. The Ram helps a ton, too. Yeah. It takes a lot of stress off the steering box. I think it's actually a lot safer. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, that's just my guess. In a Hydro Assist setup. Although, for the double cab, I'm going to use a double-ended Ram as the tie rod. I found a oh. part number for a two-inch Ram. And I, you can calculate all this stuff online, too. Like, if you're just willing to do five minutes of Googling, you can figure all this shit out on your own. So I found one that has the same exact fluid flow requirements as our Hydro Assist Ram. Because the issue with the Hydro Assist Ram is that it's a ram on one side that goes in, and then it essentially has like a giant washer with a wiper seal on it. So one side of the ram is completely open to fluid, but the other side has that piston rod in it. Right. And so you get unequal force. Because right. one side, you have more surface area that you're pushing against. Okay. Because it's completely open and the other side, you don't. That's right. why you need such a big reservoir with hydro assist. So what I'm doing is I got a dual ram, a dual ended ram mount for the double cab. And it's going to be a tie. It's going to be our tie rod in the middle. Okay. Um, and it's an inch and a half solid piece of chromoly that runs through the ram. If the ram blows you still have it as a tie rod because it's completely connected to okay, itself because it goes all yeah. the way through and it's equalized and I have it set up so that it does um, 20% more turning force. And so I'm going to use a CBR style pump with it, which will do 1650 PSI. And I think it does five and a half gallons per minute, mm-hmm. which I believe will flow through the IFS box. And then we'll have our drag link going down to the um, high steer arm. Mm-hmm. And then we'll have just the dual-ended ram in the middle, which will be the ram and the tie rod. It'll be all in one with a giant skid, which will protect both Yeah, things. that's so key. So I yeah. think that'll be nice. And I think that's a clean way to package it. And it should be better, too, because it's an equalized system. Um, it has just slightly more turning force, but it doesn't require that much more fluid volume because there's not mm-hmm. that open chamber. So what you don't realize with the Hydro Assist setup is you get like 20, 30% more turning force in one direction, which also requires more fluid. So one direction you turn will take you longer. Okay, yeah, yeah. So I don't know. It might not work. I mean, it's cool to think of new things. Yeah, I just want to do different (laughs) stuff. Like the problem is I've built the same truck so many times now that I just have zero motivation to build anything, I feel like. So... I don't know. I just want to build I that. I think it'll be fun. Only know all the weird shit that you tell me. So yeah, true. <laughs> I know. Oh, we okay. Wait, I think we spent a lot of time on this double cab build. Some time on the pipe dream builds. A little bit on our updates, but we have questions. Oh shoot! I forgot yeah. about that. Yeah, these are from like two weeks ago, and I'm not going to answer all of them because a lot of them aren't good. Yeah. So if yeah, you asked thanks a, a lot, guys. Yeah. So if you asked a question and it wasn't good and I don't answer it, feel bad about yourself. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I just don't want to talk about all this stuff. Um, re- t- recovery tactics and gear. I don't know. I'm just bring a strap. Yo, those max tracks, though, those things are good. Yes. All right. So go back to the other podcast where I made fun of the max tracks and just pretend I'm talking about how great they are. Okay. Pretty much. I, so we were pretty. 
pretty stuck in Utah at Sand Hollow yeah. by ourselves. Literally, at night. no one else was on the trail no because one. it's off season in the middle of the week. This was our With this Gale was our last Force vacation winds, over a week uh, a year ago. With <laughs> yes, very strong winds. Uh the Max Tracks totally saved us. Yeah. Although I have to say we forgot about airing down. <laughs> yeah, I think we're at what were we? We were at like twenty five yeah, psi because yeah, I was... wanted to like drive there, then drive back, and part of yeah. it was on the freeway. And the truck just has no power. But like some of my trucks, I've been able to drive home at twelve psi. This is not one of those trucks. Like I had to air it up mm-hmm. at forty because part of Utah's speed limits are eighty, mm-hmm. and I want to get passed by semi trucks. So you essentially had to go ninety. So I was just mm-hmm. flooring it forth the whole time. And thankfully, that little V6 is a champion, dude. It really is. It does is. so much. Yeah. I want to just, like, take it out of the truck and, like, put it on the wall. Because <laughs> that thing runs so good for uh, no reason. Tire of the jersey. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Just no one else can be Kobe after this. <laughs> That's what I'm no, saying. No, but I think, I mean, what? A shovel and a toe strap? Yeah. That's pretty much what we bring. Yeah. Uh, we do have a winch. Now, I mean, that uh, yeah, we've, we've used it a couple times. Useful. Yeah, yeah, it's nice. I would say, yeah, winches are great. Um, they're only as good as if you have something to attach it to, though. There's that like dead man thing, it's like a tarp that you bury in the sand. Oh, yeah, um, that might be good to have if you're wheeling by yourself. Mm-hmm. Or, like, I've had a, been with dudes who just buried their tire in the sand before, too. So, I guess you can do that in a pinch. Um, and bring some wood, just bring some two by fours, yes. and then you can jack the truck up. Two by fours mm-hmm. under it, you'd be good to go. Mm-hmm. That's what we used to use before they invented all this stuff. Yeah. Uh, just two by fours and floor mats. I mean, we've gotten pretty creative in getting trucks out of weird situations. I mean, yeah. we've, we've like actually used our own spare 40 tire to get. Oh, yeah. When we were trying to get that tundra through Crow Canyon. Dude, yeah. I was sore for like three days from that. What the hell? I was sore <laughs> for like a week, man. <laughs> Oh my god! Yeah, that was, that was rough. Oh, and a and a really good light, because yeah. you will be stuck at night. Like a headlight, though, not necessarily like off road lights. No, 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 no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We had yeah. the Milwaukee Tower lights that yeah, time. Dude. Remember, we're that was so clutch. extra. We like pull out the M eighteen, yeah, like full on construction site tower mm-hmm. lights and set them up. Yeah, it was pretty dope. So I think like <laughs> people do off road lights all wrong. The like seam lights, camping light things. That's what you should focus yes. on. But yeah. all these dudes got $3,000 worth of lights, mm-hmm. and then they have eight inches of suspension mm-hmm. travel. Like, how fast do they think they can go at night? <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, also, though, it's just, I don't know. We try our hardest not to wheel at night because everyone is always fucking drunk, which I yeah. hate. And people are always crashing and dying. Or, like, my... <laughs> Jesus. Well, I've only seen that <laughs> twice. But my, like, biggest fear is just, like, creaming a kid on a quad so i guess if you are gonna wheel at night yeah the lights are super worth it yeah because you like the last thing you want to do it's one thing if you build a retarded truck and you hurt yourself like Mm -hmm. i don't feel bad for you um if you like roll it like yeah well you should add a cage and you know that's your fault you knew the risk and yeah wear your Mm seatbelt. it's so simple um but then if you like hurt someone else that's the one thing where like lights are a huge safety issue Mm -hmm. um but yeah, none of the light companies will sign up as Corvin members, though, which is really annoying. That Every sucks. single one has blown me off in the same exact way. And I want to say it's because, like, maybe they aren't, like, really off-road companies. Like, their main target audience isn't necessarily the off-roader. It's, like, the mm-hmm. cars and coffee guys. Mm-hmm. So maybe to them, the public land stuff doesn't matter. 
But it's like, it's every single one. And they blow me off in the same way. Mm-hmm. Where they're like, yeah, we should support off-road recreation. <laughs> I'm like, oh, so you're gonna? And they're like, yeah, we definitely should. <laughs> I'm like, so you're gonna do it? Like, yeah, we should do it. <laughs> I'm like, so you will do it. Like, dude, we definitely should. <laughs> and that's it. That's all I hear from them, like, a couple times. So that's annoying. Um, when and why to go beadlock on a dual sport rig? If you're blowing beads, Ooh. do beadlocks. Yeah. Beadlocks are great. Although we got those new methods on Black Friday. And they have the little beadlock grippy things. It's like a little bead grippies, I think they're called. And <laughs> what? Don't look at me like that. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's correct. Okay. So I think those will be dope. I have yeah. a theory that they will help. They did one test on them, which was super biased. And they didn't even use the same tire for the like. What? Yeah, they tested like how hard it is to pop the bead on it. They put it in a press and they saw like how many pounds of force it takes to debead it at 8 PSI. Okay. But the tire they used on the standard rim and the tire they used on their their rim were different. They weren't the same load rating or I don't even think they were the same brand. So it's not Jesus. super accurate, but it yeah. did show there was like a 40% increase in force required to debead it. So I think that technology is pretty cool. I think there's a couple companies that do that but i might be totally wrong about that but anyways we just got the like standard gold Mm -hmm. or bronze or whatever methods that everyone else has because we're trying to fit in with the overlanders i'm gonna put a snorkel on that truck too oh yeah like a real snorkel a real snorkel i'm gonna buy one on ebay but i'm gonna buy one (laughs) (laughs) or craigslist well we'll let you know how the methods do but yeah i think they'll be good but i would say uh if you're blowing beads a lot or if you have a super heavy truck you need them Mm-hmm. And uh, our race lines are great on the road. We've never had any issues. No, mm-hmm. none at all. Didn't I blow the inner bead off them when I was what? trying to change a song when we were in the snow? And I oh, okay. Yeah. So we popped a bead once, but that was totally driver error. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> this is what Brittany does. No, this I'm step I'm just, one. She drinks wine. Step two. She tells my business. I'm just saying, if you weren't listening to Taylor Swift, yeah, I love Taylor which Swift. You were, and I. Hate Taylor Swift. I know, and Brittany hates it. So I had to look down to change the music to more acceptable song. And then when I looked up, I ran into a rock that was like four feet high. Yeah, so you did. that's my bad. <laughs> In the snow. Yeah, I didn't see it. Mm-hmm. Uh, this dude wants to hear about electric trucks. Uh, I guess oh, we kind of okay. talked we about that. We talk about that, dude. It is the future though, because you is. don't need a transfer case. It's a linear torque curve. So you have whatever thirteen hundred foot pounds of torque at zero RPMs. You want to talk about King of the Hammers? Oh, yeah. that yeah. They raced that electric truck, but I was kind of disappointed in it because all they did is they swapped out the 22RE for an electric motor that makes less power than a 22RE. Mm-hmm. But my hope with the electric thing was that people were going to do it and, like, dominate and be, like, absolutely killer. But he's still mm-hmm. the first person to do it, so I'm sure. And he finished, yeah, right? Totally. Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, super kudos to him and... Yeah, I'm sure he'll get a ton of sponsored parts for next year. Yeah. So that's probably what we should have done. Yeah. It's just like thrown something together. Yes. And then next year we could have been like, okay, our real goal is we want to not only race 4,400 class, we want to finish it and make place or or do pretty well. Yeah. Because you can. Mm -hmm. There is a way. Yeah. And and you can have the batteries in the skid plate on the bottom, swap mm -hmm. them out at pits. And then you have dual Tesla rear drive motors, which are 650 mm-hmm. horsepower piece. Mm-hmm. And they spool from zero to 17,000 RPMs, mm-hmm. linear, like horsepower, torque curve, anything. It's kind of weird how they talk about it with electric yeah. motors. 
Um, you don't have to gear down. You don't have to stop and like go into low range mm-hmm. in your transfer case, anything. Center gravity is super low. Mm-hmm. It's l- way less moving parts as long as we get someone to give us $100,000 for batteries. Exactly. It's so expensive. Yeah, it's just way out of our realm. But at some point, it will be cheaper. Yeah. And probably like I could probably build a 4400 class uh, electric car for cheaper than just like the normal 4400 class cars. Not exactly a cheap sport anyway. No, it's not. So it's like (laughs) it it honestly, I don't know. It might Mm -hmm. be the same. It's just having like eight sets of batteries to swap out. That's the expensive part because you have to build Mm -hmm. a whole subframe for them. And then they have to have their own cooling system in them because I don't want to do like a dry break on the cooling system Mm -hmm. because my main issue with it is safety. This is a 400 volt system, which can for sure kill you. It'll like kill you dead. And also they have their own cooling too. And so if you have like a radiator in the truck, but you pull the batteries out, you have to do a dry break that then bleeds itself. Mm -hmm. And I don't want anyone to get burned by getting like coolant on them. That's hot and stuff. That's like my nightmare. I mean, yeah, it's just not worth anyone getting hurt over. So this guy wants to know why he didn't know that four wheel parts stands for four wheel parts until he got to California and saw one. Ooh. That's on you, but <laughs> <laughs> that's your bad. Uh, Four wheel parts. I'm not sure I'm supposed to announce this, but they are our newest Corva Platinum business member. That's awesome. Yeah, it's huge, dude. It's like the highlight of my year so far. Yeah, it's super dope. So I'm hoping that we're kind of like turning the tide on some of this land use stuff. Yeah, because there's still, but still, the accounts that are bad for land use are the most popular. So people prioritize short term profits over actually keeping the sport alive. Right. Which is going to come back to bite them for sure. Like I'm making sure that we diversify our business in case a lot of off-roading goes away. But yeah, so kudos to them. I know a bunch of the dudes who work there and they're great. They're like the nicest dudes ever. Yeah. Um, yeah, we've been super fortunate to meet them. Mm-hmm. It's great. Anything solid axle, solid axle geometry, blah, blah, blah. Nah, dude, uh, you don't want to listen to me talk about that stuff. I barely understand it too. I've just... There's a really interesting chassis engineering textbook. Uh, you can just get it on Amazon. That's an interesting read. And then there's a couple chapters out of this mechanical engineering textbook too that correlate to chassis design that are interesting. And then there's some other link suspension stuff. But a majority of the information online is incorrect or at best like half truths. And I mean, I think that applies to everything. Yeah, online. maybe. Yeah. But it's all provable, though, with math. Like, that's why I like it, because I'm secretly a nerd and I like things that that's are provable. True. Yeah. I mean, I, I like that, too. <laughs> and it's just black and white. It's not yeah. like mm-hmm. like my problem with English is it's like interpretive. You know, that is exactly why I ended up getting my degree in linguistics, because I wanted to go math, but I also really liked the arts Mm -hmm. because I was into theater and all that Um, and writing. But I liked that linguistics was a math approach to language. Yeah. And it was all logic. It like all made sense. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I always like math because it's like there's no guessing. It either is or is not. Exactly. And so that's what I really like about link suspension. Yeah. And with linguistics, you can literally apply a formula to languages and understand how this sentence is formed. It's mm-hmm. okay. I won't get into that because yeah. I can totally nerd out on this. I know. But. <laughs> yeah. I feel like the amount of people still listening. I'm sorry. Is yeah. This is low. not. Although, dude, our, our podcast get a lot of views. Our one like Overland Virus podcast hit 10,000 downloads. Ooh, the one where we just talk shit uh, on everyone. There might be some angry people. <laughs> yeah, I was so drunk for that one. I feel bad. Uh, I need to re-listen to it. I feel like I said some bad things in it. 
that I didn't really mean. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Okay, next question. Anyways, uh, when you tell someone a timeline for their build, is it ever on time? No. No. Next question. Terra Crew. Yeah, they're another one that's getting public land shut down. Them and the Blake Wilkies and the Beat Not Baby. Um, anyone who posts illegal stuff on public land or like mm-hmm. literally has gone to jail for illegal stuff on public land and then continues to do it. Like, I don't even yeah. know why I have to say that out loud. Right. And but, the brand sponsor them. Yeah, and, everybody like, they promote does. It. So then the people who are against all this, like, they love this. They yeah. eat this shit up. They do. Yeah. It's like you are giving them ammo. Like the yeah. Sierra Club doesn't need to do any work on the anti-OHV narrative because the mm-hmm. o- the off-road industry does it for them. Mm-hmm. So max tires size I can fit without rubbing. I don't understand why so many people think that lifting your truck helps you clear larger tires. Because if you put a jack under the center of your truck and you jack it up so it's two inches higher than it used to be, that's all you're doing with a suspension lift. And then when you undo the jack and it lowers back down, guess what? It rubs. Mm -hmm. So if you're not going to use your suspension travel, then yes, you can fit tires by lifting it. But you are not changing where your suspension goes. You're just momentarily lifting it up. So the second you get off road or you're like backing up in a parking lot, you are back to the same exact spot. Right. But the minute the road has any divots or any kind of changes... You're not changing anything. No. And you, by doing so, you are, you only have like maybe eight inches of travel from the factory. And if you think that lifting your truck will help you fit bigger tires, you're changing that to like four inches of travel. Mm -hmm. Like that idiot at the general um, tires booth at Overland Expo. He's like some guy trying to be uh, Instagram famous. He had a suspension at full droop pinged like the coilovers were absolutely topped out. There was no more Wait, just travel. sitting there? Just sitting there at ride height. It was at full droop because he didn't want to cut his fender wells for the look. It was like some third gen forerunner. Oh my God. I don't know why third gen forerunners have gotten popular now. They're like objectively bad. The links in the back is like the worst link setup of like almost any OEM vehicle. Hmm. Like when I had one, we put leaf springs on it and it was a lot better. <laughs> and then they make seven inches of travel. Um, I guess they're like a Tacoma without a bed. Maybe right. they're cheaper than a Tacoma. Maybe that's why people buy them. Yeah. I just like having a bed. Because the problem Do is. Do you, Ian? Yes, because <laughs> you need to send the suspension components up into the bed and be able to put fuel back there and separate your suspension components and your fuel from the passenger compartment. It's a lot easier to build. You... Oh, okay. I see. Yeah. You don't necessarily like having a bed. You no. just like the passenger compartment being separate from everything else yes because it's you a safety hate issue beds if we look at your track oh record. my god dude this is you step no, one I'm drink ju- wine I'm step two saying. tell my business that's what you do <laughs> i'm not telling you but everybody knows you hate oh beds. my god babe you just cut them right off oh my god well for those of you guys tuning in apparently i hate beds i kind of do though i don't know why i cut them powder coat or bedline sliders i would do neither of those Powder coat is bad because the whole purpose of sliders is to scratch them. So you need to be able to touch them up with spray paint or you'd be like me. And when you scratch them and they start rusting, you just scratch the rust right back off and then they're good again. (laughs) Our sliders are like straight up dented, though. I know. They like go up like a couple inches. That means they're doing their job. It's true. They're doing their job. Um, And I wouldn't bedline them either because then you're going to get you won't slide on them. 
because bedline's grippy. But what I do is when I do sliders for people, I spray them, I let it cure for like three days so it's done off gassing. And then I put like skateboard grippy tape on top. I that know. way you don't slide and eat shit. I really appreciate that because yeah. I do ball a lot. It's sketchy. Mm-hmm. And that's why <laughs> I like that expanded steel stuff too. You can cut that and weld yeah. it on it. Oh yeah. You did that to the extra cab. Yeah. And it was the dope. there. It was great. Yeah. yeah. And then I cut it oh, off. Oh, but also just for our friends of, of dogs, mm-hmm. um, if you're going to have sliders, like, be careful with your dogs. That's one thing that we wanted to do was put the the filler plate in because Moose has definitely, there was one time where he his foot got caught in the yeah, slider as scary. he was jumping in and out. Yeah, mm-hmm. you have to have fill plates in them. Otherwise, yeah. or for, like, kids, too, you get your leg caught in them. You can just rip mm-hmm. that yeah, We're concerned right about dogs, but they can really break their legs. Yeah. Are you going to be taking any trips this year? Fuck, dude, I don't know, man. I think my theory is that if I don't take a day off for another three months, then we can start taking time off. Because I have to finish the second version of our security mounts, finish putting the plasma table together. I have five trucks here to build. I have a little bit of social media stuff I have to do. And then um, once the plasma table is together, I have 32 products that I've designed that I need to cut out and make and sell. And we need a vacation before that. (laughs) You think? Is it I that do. bad? Oh, man. What, oh, man? I took God. you to tractor supply like a week ago. Oh, my God. What do you mean? Need more than tractor supply? Spoiled. Jeez. Name a couple of vehicles best for building a capable overland slash crawler. Uh, I'm going to assume he means new vehicles. There's a lot of cool new vehicles. There's the Jeep Wrangler Hybrid, which I think is dope. Hmm. There's the Jeep Gladiator Eco Diesel, which is also super dope, although the first version of it was crap and it had a ton of issues, but I think they're on like the, they've updated it all. Yeah. It's actually pretty good. It, yeah. It'll tow like 8,000 pounds. You get a four to one transfer case, electric sway bars, yeah. all the junk. Yeah, electric disconnect. Yeah, it's sway the way bar. to go. Um, yeah, stock wise. That's yeah. Good. And then don't forget the Broncos. The Broncos out. coming mm-hmm. out. I kind of wish that they didn't have the Broncos Sport. Have you seen that too? No. They shouldn't have called it Bronco Sport because it's like a minivan version of the Bronco. Oh, and it looks terrible. Love, right? That's what people like. But <laughs> then it like it kind of devalues the Bronco name because mm. it, it's like the Jeep Renegade of Ooh. the Bronco. It's bad, dude. It's not good. Really? I'm going to yeah. look it up. Uh, and then there's the Ram TRX, which is crazy. It's like 700 horsepower Dodge Ram. Mm-hmm. That's uh, way better than the Raptor. But then there's the new Raptor. Mm-hmm. But... Um, the new one has a V6 and not a V8. Everyone's all butthurt about it. Hmm. And then I guess maybe next year it'll get the V8. I'm waiting for the Ford Ranger Raptor to come out. I think that'll be dope, but they might never even do it. So who knows? Yeah. And then what else is there? There's a bunch of cool stuff. The F-150 Hybrid, I really like. We're actually I considering know. getting one because that's 220 in the bed. But then I think um, next year the Tundra Hybrid might come out. So I don't know if it's worth waiting for that. But, but like, okay, so like for like, like I said, overlanding, like if you oh, want to yeah. take it at all off road. I think the hybrid's dope because mm-hmm. it has an electric motor in it. You can run all your stuff off it. Like the F-150 hybrid has 220 volt and four 110 volts in the bed. So you can just have your truck running. You can plug a blender in. You can have margaritas <laughs> at night. You can plug a heater in whatever you want, dude. Mm-hmm. And it'll run a welder off it, like a full production welder you can run mm-hmm. off it, which is dope. So that, that is pretty nice. I think those are cool. Uh, the Gladiator is great. They kind of drive like crap, 
because of the way the links are set up. It's just because they're so short. It's like literally just the cheapest way to produce them is the way mm-hmm. they do it. And drivability suffers on it pretty bad. And besides that, uh, there's a third gen Tacoma, which now has electric seats. <laughs> pretty dope. <laughs> and what else is there? I feel like that's it, maybe. The Chevy Colorado ZR2 has a diesel, which is cool. And mm-hmm. also just the normal one is pretty cool, too. All the new, like, off-road vehicles are crazy. You can get, like, 35s, 37s yeah. stock. Yeah, I think they're realizing trucks. that that's where the money is. Yeah, so hopefully Rising Tide raises all ships. So hopefully Toyota, like, does something. And But I think they're going to blow it on the hybrid Tundra, though. I have a theory. They're mm-hmm. gonna, it's just going to be, like, a normal truck with a battery pack. They're not going to do, like, the outlets or anything yeah. cool. So we'll see. Okay. How do you find your center of gravity? I'm raising my drivetrain and trying to calculate for links. So the only way to actually find your center of gravity Z height, you have to put scales on one side of the truck. You measure the weight and then you're going to lift the other side of the truck a known distance. And then you remeasure the front of the truck and then you can do a bit of calculus and figure it out. But it's pretty <laughs> finicky. Just do a bit of calculus and it's, you'll dude, figure it you out. You just Google it. There's like a thing where you just <laughs> input it and does the calculus for you, man. It's so easy. Okay. Everything is at your fingertips nowadays. Like you don't have to ask questions anymore. You just Google it. But the issue with it is that if you only raise it 10 inches, a one pound difference will change your center of gravity height by like half an inch or an inch. And so our the issue I ran into with our scales is they are not super accurate. And if you sideload the scales at all with the suspension binding, so like with IFS, it binds a little bit and it pushes it sideways and it gives you inaccurate weight amounts. So I've been trying to find the center of gravity height for everything. I have like five trucks plotted to post in our suspension encyclopedia, mm-hmm. but they're kind of all over the place. So you can also mm-hmm. use the rule of thumb. And then a good thing with the uh, center of gravity height is that it changes a lot. Mm-hmm. So, like, if you load the bed full of stuff, your center of gravity height changes. But it is, honestly, it's worth it to get the scales and do it right. My new way I'm going to do it is I'm going to take plastic bags, put grease in, inside of the bag, squish it around, and then put that under the tires so they can slide freely on that, which should free up the side-to-side binding. And then I have some other plans. I'm making stands, which will be, like, 30 inches high. And at 30 inches, um, you can be off by like 10 pounds and it's it only mm-hmm. changes by like an inch. Hmm. And anyways, any vehicle is going to be slightly different. Right. So it's kind of a crapshoot. The problem is with the adjustable frame side, like upper link mount brackets, which some people use to dial in their center of gravity height, is that it'll ruin things like how your anti-squat changes throughout travel. So what you really need to do is figure it out exactly and then get the angles exactly. Cause like that last truck I built, if you change the axle side or the frame side link mounts by an inch and a half, it suddenly will go through like five degrees of caster change instead of half a degree. And the anti-squat won't lower on droop anymore. In some instances, it'll go to like 200% on droop or some will go to like 110% on droop. So it matters a lot, dude. Mm-hmm. And it changes a ton. And there's like literally just no way around actually doing the measurements and actually putting it into the calculator if you want a good suspension setup. So 
Yeah, you need $800 scales to do it right, <laughs> apparently, which I did finally get. I got Bluetooth scales for uh, the corner you weights. did, and they come in a really cool case. Dude, yeah, they're dope. Um, yeah, yeah, we'll figure it out. The, uh, yeah, we didn't even mention that in our new tools. Oh, actually. yeah, so that's another thing. I, I have a pallet scale that I was using, but it just isn't efficient. And I want to be able to get corner weights for everything and list it so that, like, you guys, the listeners, when you're doing link suspension setups, you have all this data to reference and I'm going to do it off link suspension kits. So I've measured like um, a couple different kits. Uh, Although for all the manufacturers of kits, like none of their links have the same geometry at all. So I have a feeling that no one is actually like plotting it. They're just building whatever fits, including the suspension that's on our trucks front end that we are cutting off with that terrible looking truss that we bent in half. (laughs) <laughs> from that guy who everyone loves, who I used to have a screensaver for the truck he built. And then it turns out he's just a giant douche canoe. Yikes. What would be an ideal anti-dive number for an all-purpose vehicle? More crawling than go fast. Whatever you think is good. <laughs> this is the other shitty part is like, I can't give people advice because it's so subjective. So it's like whatever you think is good is good. Some people like 50%, some like 80, some like 100, some like uh, above 100 even. Um, I would say just stick somewhere between like 80 and 100% and then you can move it around if you have to. But again, like I said earlier, those frame side brackets that have a bunch of holes are kind of junk because then it completely changes like all the other characteristics of the link suspension. Um, Another person asked, why don't you like reverse triangulated four links? And so when I first got into off-roading, like RTI ramp competitions were super big and people would do those. So what it is, is like in the back, you have the lowers going to the axle and then on you have the axle side uppers and then the frame side is actually behind the axle. So like the rear links go from the back to the front and then the front links are normal. And so what happens is it completely ruins your handling characteristics. And people originally did this for SEMA builds because they were trying to package the links with um, airbags. The issue was they had giant airbags on the front because they had a ton of lift. And so it got published in some magazines and took off. People did it for RTI ramp competitions. But then I think a bunch of people were rolling their trucks who had it set up like that. And then people stopped doing it. So one of the biggest issues with them is that it shows a complete disregard for like the suspension calculator and suspension geometry and it makes me think that the person building it probably doesn't even know how to use a link calculator which is scary but the biggest issue with them is that it like it changes the laws of physics so you end up with this like hoppy action when you hit the brakes or hit the gas it wants to hop up and down because you almost can't even calculate your anti-squat because normally what happens when the rear end grabs traction is the pinion wants to rotate up it pushes on the lowers and pulls on the uppers. But in this case, it's pushing on the lowers and it's pushing on the uppers. And what happens is it makes the suspension want to unload. So it wants to push it either down or up, depending on what you're doing, almost like irrelevant of anti-squat. And then another issue it can have is you'll have a ton of pinion change. But of course you can plot it so that you don't have really any pinion change or you can keep it within specs of the U-joint. The biggest issue with them is that it puts your roll center like almost on the ground. And your roll center is um, the chassis engineering textbook calls it 
the upper arm lateral restraint point, which is the point at which your upper arms converge. And um, the same goes for the lowers. So if you take like a triangulated lowers, you point where they converge and they might converge, like let's say at the T case output, just to make it easy for you to visualize. And then normally you would have an, another upper link that goes up and points somewhere else that might be around the body. And then you take the two convergence points of those, shoot out a straight line, and wherever they intersect with um, a line drawn straight up and down from the center line of the axle, that will be um, your roll center height. And so the closer your roll center height is to your center of gravity, the less body roll you have. With this, because your rear links are pointing back and they're pointing down slightly, and their convergence is so close to the ground, you end up with a, um, a roll axis angle that's pointing down super far. And so your roll center ends up being like almost at the height of your axle or even below it. So you end up with a ton of body roll. And then as it droops out, it increases almost exponentially. So like when you're in an off camber situation and the rear end begins to droop out, um, it'll be super likely to roll it. And then also when you hit the gas, it has just terrible handling characteristics. And I mean, the couple ones I've seen, they're like the standard builds you would think. They're just like throwing links on wherever they go with untuned coilovers. And if they're happy with them, that's great. But you won't see one like cruising through whoops like it should be. Like if you have a link suspension under a truck, you should be able to hit whoops at speed, drive on the freeway with no problem, blah, blah, blah. Although I think a reverse triangulated should be able to drive on the freeway okay, as long as the valving and the spring rate are firm enough. So yeah, there's a ton of issues. And the biggest problem is the builders can't articulate the issues with the suspension, which also means that they don't understand it and they can't mitigate those issues as well. So, um, favorite place to off-road and camp? Oh, Moab, maybe, yeah. or San Hollow, or so, I feel Utah. like it depends too. Yeah, that's true. We Where you're going? Yeah, we have a lot of favorite spots. Like we love going up the 395. We love going to the Rubicon. But last year, over a year ago, was our first trip. I mean, I'm sorry, our last trip that we've been yeah. on, and that was Utah, and we were in love with it. Like, yeah. You were immediately looking up properties there. Mm -hmm. But we also haven't been to Colorado, which is I also know. dope. So we've thing. missed a bunch of stuff, There's dude. so much we haven't explored yet, and yeah. so there's always a new spot that we're excited to check out. F-150 hybrid, we could get a trailer and like mm. tow it out and make base camp out of it and then explore from there. That might be nice. So lately we're super into the idea of having a tow rig and a trailer. And I know that we like, for some reason we decided, oh no, your rig should do everything. That's dumb though. You shouldn't do that. <laughs> Anybody who listened to me about that, you, you just shouldn't have. Yeah, you should have talked us out of it. I know. Mainly <laughs> the thing is I need something to go and pick up customer projects. Because if you're doing yeah. like a $10,000 build with me, you shouldn't have to like figure out driving eight hours down here and then like having your friend drive you eight hours back. And then people yeah, come from all over I the know. place. I'd love that to be able too. to pick it up. Also, the other thing we would love to do is have a his and hers. Yeah, that's what we mm -hmm. want too. And then also with the tow rig and the flatbed, it opens up our ability to have a buggy. I so know. that was my so other many plan. other projects. I know. Is I want to do like a, a We Rock 
competition rig. I and know. I was thinking we even have enough parts for it. We could I just know. use the parts we, we already have. Totally do it. I yeah, know. We could I just know. make it. And that's I could build a tube chassis, make like a super I safe know. one. We have a tube roller. It's perfect. Um, this dude wants to know about tire weight, rim weight, V-locks, materials, and effects of performances. I don't really care about tire or wheel weight at all. I've never yeah, considered it. I've never heard you mention it, so no. I don't know anything about it. No, I don't really <laughs> care. The more rotational mass you have, the more brakes you need. That's all I have to say. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so all these people are like freaking out about, they're like, oh, well, this wheel is 10 pounds lighter. And then everyone I see who has that specific wheel, they just like split it in half off-road. I'm like, oh, that's dope. So now you just got to carry two spares to compensate for being 10 pounds lighter. And uh, or and then they put like a giant camper on their truck. I'm like, okay, cool. I'm glad you saved 10 pounds in tire weight. You really (laughs) didn't notice that. Is overlanding going to go away when hipsters have kids? I don't know. You know what? I actually did think about this recently. Really? Because I feel like. And maybe it's just COVID. A lot of COVID babies are happening. Hmm. But I feel like a lot, like, or maybe it's just my age, but a lot of people I know are having kids, but they're still going out and doing stuff, which is great. Good, like, more power to you. Because I can't imagine how you can do something like that. I can't even yeah. imagine working and having kids. Dude, um, we don't have time for the dogs sometimes. I know. It's I don't crazy. know how people do it. Like that's, People just don't work 80-hour weeks. No. I know people who do, and they still manage to parent. Wow. Like, I mad respect for all that's of you insane, who are doing dude. that. Um, but, no, I think I think it adds another element of something they want to share with their family. Yeah. and. Um, I feel like everybody asks that question about whatever hobby they're interested in. You yeah. know, like, oh, what happens when you add kids to it? But people find a way, you know? Families have their their fun time. It's weird, too, because, like, part of overlanding is, like, the rice rocket culture. A lot of those dudes ended up having kids, and then they got, like, a Tacoma or a Forerunner, mm-hmm. and that's kind of yeah. what started it. Yeah, this like, was the solution. This was the solution for them, and then that's, like, I would say that the amount of, like, cars and coffee events... Mm-hmm. has gone up exponentially in the past, right. like, five to ten years. You never had those for off-roading before. You had, like, weird little <laughs> white trash meetups at, like, In-N-Out that were, like, super <laughs> creepy, but there weren't, like, full-on cars and coffees. So, yeah. mm-hmm. I don't know. We'll see. I think um, probably we're for sure on the verge of, like, a pretty big recession, and I think that will kill it. I kind of thought COVID would kill it, but COVID is, like, the only kind of thing that would make it more popular because it's yeah. all you could do. Yeah, that was a surprise. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah weird so mm, your welded front diff pros cons any regrets high speed performance no high speed performance um the welded diff so okay coming from my experience and obviously you should comment on this but <laughs> uh the only time it was ever an issue for us was moab Moab and limping the truck home in front wheel drive. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That too. Dude, having a front wheel drive truck that has a welded front diff is so scary on the freeway. That's literally the only reason why I'm putting an e-locker in the Mm -hmm. front of the Dana 60 instead of welding it is in case we have to limp it home in front wheel drive again. And we had to do that a surprising amount of times. Yeah. It's just, it's like borderline undrivable. And because the U-joints travel in an ellipse instead of a circle, and you have like U-joints at the axle side, Mm -hmm. when you turn, you're not thinking about it. But when it's welded, those U-joints don't want to turn the tires like in a perfectly smooth motion. 
they want to turn it like more than less, more than less, because mm-hmm. it's not turning in a mm-hmm. circle. It turns in like an egg shape. Right. And so that is scary as fuck when you're trying to take a turn at like 40 <laughs> in front wheel drive. It's not good, dude. Okay. But also the way to solve this is to have a tow rig in a trailer. <laughs> yeah. But the dollar to fund ratio of a welded diff is astronomical. Okay. It's that's off the true. charts, yes. dude. And ours is so reliable. Do you it remember- doesn't break. A year ago, when we went on a vacation, we started at King of the Hammers and yeah. you rewelded. Um, oh, I welded a Detroit locker. Yeah. I turned it into a spool. Yeah, because it the broke. On the trailer in yeah. the middle of at Hammers, Hammertown. Yeah. 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 So that's great. I mean, the dollar to fund ratio is there. Mm-hmm. Um, your front diff. I mean, you should really only be using four wheel drive at low speeds. I am mainly into rock crawling out. I don't actually like high speed desert stuff. Like even the speeds that our truck is capable of achieving in the whoops Mm -hmm. is not safe. That's why I added the B pillar and the harness bar and I got racing seats and harnesses because I was I've seen people get so hurt going fast and you're a split second away from dying. Or like you said earlier, hurting someone else. Yeah, which is really even worse. Like it's one thing if I'm in the truck alone, I roll it, I hurt myself. I'm like, oh, no. But then if I have Mm -hmm. a passenger or if I'm going at no. speed and then I hit a kid or something. Or like, somebody on a quad. Somebody on a quad, yeah. Mm-hmm. Someone not paying attention. Some drunk in a side-by-side and I cream them. Mm-hmm. And, like, the truck will or just disintegrate a side-by-side. Even by all side. those people who are renting quads or side-by-sides. Oh and yeah. they have no idea. The fucking townies. <laughs> what type of racing would you like to get into? We'd like to do Ultra 4. I have an yeah. idea for a stock class truck. Mm-hmm. I want to do a single cab Tacoma to compete in the stock class. The stock class rules are so dumb though. Like they're obviously built for a Jeep because if you have solid axles and link suspension, you can keep it solid axle and link suspension, but you can have like a Dana 60 and long arms and it's still considered stock. Yeah, totally. It's so dumb. Mm -hmm. But the way to get around that is to do like long travel, a Ford nine inch center section in the front. And then Technically, with stock class, I don't think you can have a supercharger because it's a dealer installed option. But I'm wondering if they would know that or if I could convince them that it came from the factory with that. I'm sure there are some things you can get away with. Yeah, I mean, cheating's racing. That's what everyone says. Right. So, yeah, that would be cool. I want to do like the rock crawling competitions. Again, I have no interest in the high speed desert stuff just because it's so dangerous, dude. I've seen like so many people that I know personally have gotten so hurt from the high speed stuff. And like we have this buddy. um, Well, I won't even talk about it because I don't want to jinx him. Okay, but he goes fast on two wheels and I'm worried about him. Yeah. And honestly, I enjoy the slow stuff. I I like the rock crawling. Like that's that's Mm -hmm. what's fun to me. I mean, we do the fast stuff every now and then and it's cool to be able to do it, but. That's not what I want to do all the time. Yeah, it's just like a dick measuring competition, too. I'd rather do like rock crawling. It's more technical. Yeah. That's what you're concerned about, <laughs> measuring your dick. Um, what's your shop rate, and how does one start planning on linking a rig? My shop rate's pretty standard for the area. It's like 110 an hour, but it depends what you're doing. So, like, general, um, like, That's mechanic work's a little cheaper, and then, like, welding is a little bit more expensive, and it depends on the tools I'm using, too. Mm-hmm. But um, that can go up, too. Like, if you try and tell me how to do my job, uh, that's like an eighty dollar an hour surcharge, <laughs> and I will charge you more for it. Or if you bring me a truck that's like super muddy and I have to clean off first, I will surcharge you for that. 
Because that's just you know, fucking rude, dude. It, I hate yes, when people do that. Yeah. It's like, it's like they yeah. just don't care about you. I know. Like, I, know. I don't care about cleaning and waxing your paint, but you have to clean the underside of it. Yeah. If you're, you're going to bring it to a shop. There. Yeah. yeah. Like the one time I brought a vehicle to a shop, I pressure washed the underneath of it for like an hour and then dried it because I don't want dirt falling in people's eyes, rusted bolts. Also because you've experienced it, you know, if you're not working on your own rig all the time, then you probably don't even think about that. But still, like, so for those of you who don't like think about it, because it's it's pretty awful to get dirt in your eyes. Do you remember that one where he hit a coyote and there was like (gasps) coyote guts? It was yes. covered in mud, oh. and I was uh, getting rid of hydraulic suspension. And the way they build that is they build the hydraulic suspension on the frame, and then they drop the body on top. So I had to like make a special tool for it to undo it. And then there's no way to bleed pressure. So as soon as it bursts, or you reach that point where it'll just let go, you get like 300 psi of hydraulic fluid. So I was covered in like hydraulic fluid, <laughs> mud, and coyote guts at the end yes. of it. And I built that job like three hours and I think it ended, up, it ended up taking me like 20. And I was like, yeah. oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah. For those of you asking about how to build your jobs, it just takes experience. You just honestly. have to know. Yeah. yeah. There's going to be some trial and error. Yeah. How <laughs> does one start planning on linking a rig? I don't know, dude. This The thing is like. There's kind of only a couple spots where a lot of this stuff can go. I think we should do an episode solely devoted to link suspension yeah. and not take edibles before it. Because that was my nightmare. Oh, my God. Do you I remember forgot that? that was the parameter for that. Yeah. No. Yeah. Let's do that again. <laughs> yeah. That shit was bad. Honestly, there's so much involved in it. Yeah. You there's a lot. could probably do a series of Yeah. I could do like a 10 part podcast on mm-hmm. building a link suspension that's good. And then also setting it up for whatever you want to do. Right. And then also talk about valving and yeah. spring rates and also how to do like bypasses and coilovers versus just coilovers. Right. Because it's completely different. Mm-hmm. And all the junk that goes into all it. All the different factors. Yeah. And there's a lot of sketchy shops, dude, who are putting out like they just put links wherever and they'll mm-hmm. just like limit your suspension wherever. Mm-hmm. And they don't trim the fender wells mm-hmm. so that it looks cool. And then you can't articulate the suspension. Yeah, or they'll convince you that you need bypasses for travel that doesn't need bypasses. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Or they, yeah, they're trying to convince the overlayers that you need bypasses, even though bypasses is the worst damper option if you have a lot of weight up top or a high center of gravity because you don't have as much valving in the ride zone. Mm -hmm. So it gets all weeble wobbly and it handles like shit. So can you go on a rant on why you don't like leaf springs? I love leaf springs. (gasps) Oh, he really does. And I can see why you would think that he doesn't, but he really does. Yeah, like, leaf springs are dope. always talk it up. And they're great. Okay, so our, our extra cab had leaf springs when we got it, right? Mm-hmm. They were great. Yeah, they're they solid. They were fantastic. Yep. It's better now, though. It is, yeah. <laughs> well, we're also comparing 12 inches of travel to 26. That's not really fair. That's true. But. How about the um, the 85? we had oh the 85 is dope i mean people have been building that forever the same shit you do the shitty ass trail gear leaf springs that Mm -hmm. ride like crap you take a couple springs out you do some like 80 dollar bilstein 5100s and you send it and it's pretty good it's good i think that if you're gonna have like a build where you want to go rock crawling you want to do the basic off-roading things like you should go with the leaf springs in the back probably a three link in the front and you're fine right that's like the ideal setup chevy 63s in the rear like 
14 inch, 12 to 14 inch coilovers in the front. Yeah. With like a decent three link setup, not a ton of oversteer, pretty consistent right. caster, <laughs> decent anti squat, may make yeah. your anti squat lower on droop, which should be dope. Um, yeah, and it'll be great. Be a great all around driver. And I think this this circles back to the beginning when we were talking about how Ian really likes to do just weird things and different things. And so that's how we ended up moving away from leaf springs. Yeah, it's Otherwise, just be weird. We would just do leaf springs. Yeah, they're great. The one thing about leaf springs is that they do bind when they articulate, but people never quantify binding. They're like, oh, that binds, that binds, that mm-hmm. binds. But like if your heim has some resistance to rotation, which it does, that's binding. So mm-hmm. you have to quantify it with like what amount of binding is acceptable to you. And some of that too can limit body roll depending on how much binding it has. It's kind of like a radius arm suspension in the front. Those bind super bad, but they're great on stock trucks because it's like a free sway bar because mm. limit it's eliminating binding. So some of those setups are good. Um, I wouldn't put on like a rock crawler. I think it's just like the lazy way to do it because you don't want to cut the castings off. And it's like an easy cookie cutter way to put it on. And you can't set um, caster change throughout ride height. And it's like impossible to set your anti-squat and all that stuff. But mm-hmm. it's, no one really has like a radius arm front on like a performance rock crawler or like a truck that they want to ride good on the road. So mm-hmm. I like all your content when you talk about the military suspension, lifts, four wheel, harbor freight. That's it, dude. That's all I got. You know what? We do love Harbor Freight. I love Harbor Freight. They're great. It took me a bit to come around to it. Their new stuff is so good. That red. We got their uh, 56-inch toolbox. That thing's great. I wish I got the bigger one. It's great. It's so good. I'm going to get the little side attachments for it. And their jack is really good. It lifts 24 inches. Yes. Their jack, their toolboxes. What else would we always get there? Uh... I was going to say step bits, but we go through them. <laughs> Their black nitride step bits are pretty good. Okay. I have a digital torque wrench from there that I really like. I think it's super accurate mm-hmm. and has two lights. One when you're getting close to the mm-hmm. torque, one when you're So do you, like, do you think it. that they're actually getting better? Oh, they're getting way better. They're and their better. new Icon line of tools is supposed to compete with Snap-on. Mm-hmm. And like their Daytona Jack, Snap-on sued them over it. Yeah. Because they said it was yeah. an infringement on their patent, which is fucking embarrassing for Snap-on. Also, their Badlands winch is fine. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, yeah it works good. Mm-hmm. They they have a new winch that's like seven hundred dollars too. What? So they're becoming like a normal store too, Dang. which I kind of don't like. Uh, I wish they yeah. would stay cheap and like dirt baggy because now I can, I like can't afford a bunch of the stuff at Harbor Freight now. Yeah, we had their air compressor. Mm-hmm. And it was fine. It's still going. Never, I yeah. never changed the oil on that thing. I refuse to. <laughs> I'm not gonna, dude. Whatever. It's like our Honda that we had, mm-hmm. that $600 Honda Civic. Yeah. Like, if you spend 50 bucks on an oil change for that car, that's 10% the value of the car. If you get 10 oil changes over the course of 3,000 miles, you have totaled the car in oil changes. So there's just no point in doing it from the beginning. Like, if so you get. For the guy who bought our. Yeah. Civic, hey, you if you're listening. <laughs> Dude, oil. you should for sure have changed it by now. I did. I literally did not change it at all. It was like it looked like molasses, and that thing still got thirty miles per gallon. I think it was great, and it I just floored didn't have it AC. everywhere. Yeah, if I had AC, it'd be dope. But and it had like those fake pleather seats, and those in the sun in El Cajon in the summer is a fucking no go, dude. I burned myself so bad on. And also, it's like a very small vehicle. So when you would get in it, it kind of looked like, you know, like Bowser. Yeah. (laughs) 
Like Mario fat man Kart. in a little <laughs> no, coat. Yeah. I didn't mean that. <laughs> that's what she meant. She said, I'm too fat for a Honda Civic. So that's sick. This person wants to know about my military background, a little bit more about what branch and job. I don't Go know about for that. it. Yeah. So I was a combat medic in the United States Army. I spent four years at 10th Mountain Division, 187 Infantry. I was in Charlie Company. I think I was one of the only combat medics who spent my entire enlistment in an infantry platoon and let alone in one infantry platoon, <laughs> which was like the black hole. Everybody yeah. hated it. We got like all the shitty things. We fucking worked, you know, 100 hour weeks. I worked a 40 hour day multiple times in that unit. It was terrible. We just got shit on constantly. And then when we deployed, I was the senior line medic. So I had like a couple medics under me who were platoon medics. Um, yeah, we spent some time just like hanging around on an airfield in Iraq. And then I worked at a um, hospital with the Australian New Zealand doctors and some American doctors and stuff who were pretty dope. And then we went to like a small fob with like 100 people where I was like the senior medic on the fob. Um, and then there was a doctor there who was like, I was, my job was essentially to babysit him. He was like a family medicine doctor who had no trauma experience, who was out trying to pretend to be like a combat doctor. And it was pretty bad. He was the worst, but luckily I was there. Was that in Mo just outside of Mosul? Yeah. Were- uh, we, so our job there, we were like advising and assisting the Iraqi army to have them try and retake Mosul. So that was their big operation at the end of my deployment. It was like right outside of Erbil. So we were technically in Kurdistan um, and the Kurds yeah. are dope as fuck. So our base is it was actually pretty historic. So it was the first joint base of the Kurdish and Iraqis working together to try and retake a technically Kurdish city. But it's in Iraq. So like what happened is at the end of, I think, World War One, we just arbitrarily redrew all the countries in the Middle East with mm-hmm. no regard for like where the people actually are. So we just drew like borderlines straight through groups of people um so the kurds got like super fucked over by that and they're like super dope people uh they're the only ones that i actually trust up there and they will actually fight for their fucking country exactly i was gonna say they're the only ones who would actually do it yeah like i was more more worried about the iraqis shooting at us than i was like anything but i wasn't worried at all with the kurds like they had their checkpoint and they did not give off fuck dude they were just gonna kill everyone like a super badass like woman yeah, they Soldier do the Rojava or something. Mm-hmm, There's a mm-hmm. documentary about them that's really good. Mm-hmm. And so I guess if you're uh, ISIS and you get killed by a woman, you like not only do you not get your virgins, but it's like super bad. You go to like Muslim hell because you got murked by a lady. And so they're like super scared of the like lady snipers and stuff. They like I love it. Yeah, because they like don't really care if I got murked by a dude because then you go to like heaven, you get whatever. But. If you get murked by a lady, dude, it's not good at all. So, so they just like put together this woman army. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, yeah, while I was there, they sent a uh, Marine battery, which is like it's uh, an infantry unit. You call it a battalion. So it's a battalion sized element. Um, but they were more, I don't know, there are only a couple hundred of them. But they were there to support us because we kept getting rocketed. But then it seemed like we it took a lot of authorization to be able to like drone strike people back and stuff. Um, or sometimes like, I swear we would take small arms fire, but you can never tell if the Iraqis were just like fucking around or if we were getting shot at. Um, yeah. And then one time they blew up that police station. Do you remember that? 
It made it like um, all over yes, the news. It was terrifying yeah, for it, me waiting back here and hearing it about broke it. Yeah. All of our like night vision cameras because the blast was so loud. But it was mm-hmm. maybe like 200 meters away and they had a dump truck full of C4 and they just fucking leveled this Kurdish police station that was like neighboring our base. Was this the moment when you jumped off the Hesco and broke your back? Or was that a different rocketing? No. So we were supposed to have two alarms. Man, I'm such an idiot. First of all, 100% my fault. We were supposed to have two alarms. One for incoming fire, I thought, and then one for rockets. And the alarm got off, and I thought it was incoming fire. And so I went up on the Hesco, and I had my fucking rifle, my fucking handgun. I'm pretty sure I had, like, a rocket, too. I always had some dumb shit on me. I don't know why. But I had, like... My bulletproof vest, my aid bag, which is like 80 pounds. And then my bulletproof vest is probably like 60 or something. And then um, my rifle, 270 rounds of ammunition for that. And then my handgun, I think I carried like 60 rounds of ammo for that. No, not that many. I only had a couple mags for it. I'm not even sure that thing worked. Um, it was like the the battalion commander's old gun. And I'd never been cleaned ever. So <laughs> I'm just really glad I never had to use it. Um, yeah, and then I was like, okay, incoming fire. You get on the wall, and you get your fucking little pistol, and you're, like, ready to shoot back at people. And then we hear the rocket coming, and I'm like, oh, fuck. So I, like, grab all the shit, and I jumped off, like, a 15-foot barrier. Mm-hmm. And I felt my bo- my back pop, and I was like, oh, no. And yeah. then it was, like, six months later, and I was like, you know, my back still hurts. So then, I mean, I finished the whole deployment with, like, pretty bad nerve pain, like, shooting pain down my legs and stuff, but I wasn't going to leave the fob because those dudes like I just didn't want anything to happen to them pretty much. There was, there was no situation in which I was leaving that fob before the rest of the soldiers did. Right. I mean, yeah, you were the medic. <laughs> yeah. So I, I had a sense of, uh, I don't know, whatever it's, I never joined the army because I care about the U S I think people get that confused. I joined the army because I care about soldiers. I don't give a fuck about the United States. The United States is a shithole. It's the worst. Politics is fake. It's not real. The government's bullshit. No one cares about you. I think that the way that this is set up makes you, it leads to that, you know, like you, you, you should be able to feel patriotic, but also criticize how the military runs things, you know, like, I I don't know, like you can care about like, like there, I think there are things that I disagree with the way that the military does things, but I fully support the soldiers who are in the military. Yeah. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. like, yeah, that's I mean, that's why I joined is because I love the soldiers. And that's the mm-hmm. reason why um, I made it all four years because mm-hmm. they were, you know, the best. The people in the military, just like the off-road industry, are the best and worst part. And so I don't know. Um, yeah, we did a lot of advising and assisting for the Iraqis. It was a joint compound, too, with the SEALs. And the first SEAL unit was super dope. And then the SEALs that replaced them were like total D-bags. And like fuck ups, like they had a 50 cal on the roof and they just left it up there and never cleaned it for like six months. Then one time we did like take, I don't know if we took like small arms or something, but they were up there like trying to rack it and they couldn't because it was so rusted. They were just like total screw ups, dude. I don't understand why they get so much money, but and they had like giant up armored trucks and stuff. And meanwhile, we were so stupid, dude. We were driving around. They gave us two wheel drive Nissan Navaras and then. (laughs) 
in order for us to blend in, we would take our camo tops off. So we're the only fucking white dudes in the entire country driving around in brand new trucks with all matching tan t-shirts with fucking guns. <laughs> but because they aren't camo tops, the fucking dudes up top are like, yeah, they'll never know. This is fucking stealth mission. Boys, we're going to get in. They're not going to know anything. This is some fast and furious shit. <laughs> it is. Yeah, it's literally like it's that level of stupid on a daily basis. It's like Fast and the Furious, but in real life with less of a budget. And then, yeah, those Nissan Navars are terrible, too. And then 82nd Airborne replaced us and they got like uh, F-350 four wheel drives which you need because it may not rain often, but when it does, there's like a certain chemical in the dirt and it becomes clay and you just get stuck. And we like broke leaf springs on those trucks, filling them full of sandbags and gear and stuff. So that was stupid. And then, yeah, anyways, I uh, came back and I got out, moved here. And then originally I was um, pre-med. I was going to use my GI Bill to go to med school. It's kind of what I always wanted to do. You were Um, Oh, yeah. So I was a firefighter before I joined. But this entire time, though, I was building trucks the entire time. That was like one of my huge passions in life. From like high school. Yeah. From I literally dropped out of high school and (laughs) built a Baja bug my senior year of high school instead of actually um, going to school, which I learned way more than I would have in high school from that. Like I learned that I don't like Baja bugs, but I do (laughs) (laughs) at the same time. I do, but they just don't run consistently. So, yeah, I forgot where I was going with that. So, firefighter. Oh, as a firefighter, like, just, like, 20 minutes away from where we live now. Yeah. But I needed veterans' preference points to get a job because um, I had all the certs and all the skills and stuff. But, like, not to be racist, but as, like, a white dude is impossible to get a job as it. I just didn't have, even if I did the interview... I could take the tests for the interview and I would score 99 on it. But because I wasn't um, a minority or veteran or anything, they were only interviewing people who scored above 100% on the test. And so you get an extra percentage for all that stuff. Like if you're female, you get extra percentage. For minority, you get extra percentage, Mm -hmm. stuff like that, blah, blah, blah. So I was like, dude, my only option is to join the military. And originally I was going to join the Air Force because I was like, that seems like a pretty good deal. I'll be a firefighter in the Air Force, but they wouldn't guarantee you a job in that field. So I didn't want to get stuck being a dishwasher or something. Although I did have, I scored a 99 um, on the ASVAB, which I guess is like the highest you can get. And I was qualified for every single job in the military except geologist, uh, which you needed a degree in geology to do. It's fair. <laughs> yeah, which I think is fair. But so um, I've always been good at taking tests, though. I'm, uh, I'm just good at cheating pretty much. So the army is the only military branch where you can actually pick your job, right? Yeah. So it's the only one where when you sign your contract, you have your job and you're at least guaranteed to go to that school. Whether or not you pass it is up to you. So we had a ton of people wash out. Mm. Um, yeah. And then I just got unlucky and got stationed in upstate New York for four years, which is the worst. And then I got even more unlucky on top of that. I was in an infantry battalion, which was the worst. And then I was in the infantry company that was the worst. And I spent the entire time there. Cause like, I swear people were like too scared to replace me. Like they had to beg people to cover for me when I was finally getting out. They had to like, they had a formation. They were like, come on, someone has to, and no (laughs) one would volunteer to go to that company. That's how bad it was. Well, you were stationed in one of the worst, uh, 
what do you call it? Duty stations? Yeah. yeah. In the country. Like, yeah. it's, it's really bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like super high up there for suicides. I think it's just behind Fort Bliss. Yeah. And there's nothing to do. And it was like, it's cold there, dude. Oh, we have yeah. lake effect snow. So like literally, <laughs> like, I love when people try and tell me how to drive in the snow. I'm like, dude, I fucking spent more time driving in actual snow than you have. Like people <laughs> assume that I'm just born and raised California and don't know shit. I'm like, no, mm-hmm. that's fine. I'll, I'll figure it out. I know. This I'll is this out. is my first experience in snow, but you have lived in terror, like the worst possible snow conditions. Like they trained, they trained the the guys. They send people from Alaska there to do uh, winter cold training. weather, yeah, yeah, cold mm-hmm. weather training and mountain warfare training. Yeah, although you don't really learn mountain warfare, like mountain warfare school is kind of a joke. Yeah. So whatever. <laughs> yeah, taking the leap of starting a business slash shop. You know what it was? I was in the driveway. And I was sick of fixing stuff that other shops did while I'm just like working in my driveway and trying to be pre-med and go to med school. And really, like, I am fueled by spite. Mm-hmm. Would you say that's accurate? Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I really thought about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, just become super spiteful, lots of chronic pain and a couple TBIs and just do it. (laughs) Uh, This dude would love to hear more about Corvin land management stuff. I would like to have someone on to interview about this stuff. There's actually one guy who I don't think almost anyone's heard of, uh, Jared McLeod. I was just going to mention him. Yeah, and he is out there fighting every day. He is like on Zoom calls yelling at state parks about stuff. Yeah. And people don't even know his name. But meanwhile, everybody knows who all the people who get the land shut down mm, is and like, they give them okay. the lights. Yeah. This guy. Yeah. He is fighting for you. Like he is out. He is the only person that is making a difference. Yeah. Well, so, and all of Corva who fights well, legislatively. Yeah. And Cal Four Wheel has kind of stepped it up lately. I was actually a Cal Four Wheel member before, but then... um they had some issues and I like got out, but it kind of seems like they've kind of turned it around and they're doing a little better, which is good. This guy wants to hear about the frosty four wheeler guy. We're sure to talk about. Uh, yeah. Call him up if you're stuck mm-hmm. in mammoth. Yeah. Uh, what other questions do people have? What got your business off the ground? Finally profitable. <laughs> I don't know is if it's it? profitable, dude. I don't know <laughs> if I'd say that. I, last year, uh, I'm sure you guys know that um, Gin and Tonics did our tax returns, and we did get a significant chunk back. If I, you're the IRS and you're listening to this, yeah, I don't don't audit us, please. I'm not comfortable with talking about this, babe. Come on, <laughs> just drink more wine. You're fine. Okay. Um. Um. Honestly, like I think it's I, I think people think that it's harder to do than it is to like if you have a hobby and you really like it, just go for it. You yeah. know. Um, we were surprised. We are continually surprised by, you know, how well we do. And, like, we're constantly like, wait, we're fine this month. <laughs> yeah, it's good. And although, admittedly, at the same time, like, you work 60-hour weeks. We Yeah, and you, I you mean, have to put in the work. And we work weekends, nights. I mean, I'm going to work after this. Yes. Yeah. I've was. i been working yeah, all day. Weekends and... and we haven't taken a vacation in over a year, but, um, but honestly, I don't know. There is a balance. You should find it. And, and 
Yeah, you should not set the precedent of working weekends or you should change your schedule so that like mm-hmm. Tuesday, Wednesday is your weekend mm-hmm. instead. Because you have to take time off because I'm so fucking burnt out now. I Yeah, so I also think that there is value in like working a job where you also have time to do the things that you love. Mm-hmm. You know, that's totally fine. That's like the dream. It's like they always say, do what you love for a living and you'll work every day of your life. Yes, there is some truth to that. <laughs> yeah. So maybe I'll do a whole thing on like how we started it, but it's really kind of boring. We just decided to get a shop space and then it kind of snowballed. And then- honestly, it came from the military. It came from the fact that you went into the military because you wanted a full-time job in the fire department or whatever. And then you broke your back and then you couldn't do that. And then you tried to go medical and it's rough to try to go to school and and make a living in a chair. That's the issue is that like sitting in college kills me. I end up with nerve pain and I like literally can't do it. Like there are some classes where afterwards I would get in my car and I would be like borderline in tears because my back and I would have like shooting pain down my legs so bad. So at least now the theory is that I can make my own hours and if my back hurts, um, I'll do something else. So I'm not like, I'm not one of those people that can say no. So if a job needs done, I just do it. I don't have like, I don't have it in me to not. Yeah. So, so I can't our... work for someone else. I also can't really right. work for myself. I just, <laughs> it's like way worse. Cause I just work all the time. Right. Okay. Yeah. This were person wants to know about our new shop, how we're setting it up, what we're trying to avoid slash different from other sh- from previous shop. Uh, the problem with our previous shop is that it was long, but not wide. So the shop it is at least two bays, but we're really just stuck with what was already here on the property. So we will be expanding it and then moving the plasma table into that section instead of having it in the garage. Yeah. Um, getting rid of that in-ground lift for sure. And I think I want to get rid of all the shelving in the garage or in the shop too, because it kind of sucks to just like store stuff and it eats up tool space. So I want like the shop to be only tool space. And, and we also are fortunate that we have a lot of other space that we can store things in. So just right next to the shop, we have a cellar with a lot of storage opportunity. We have the barn with storage. So we can afford to remove some of that, that shelving and, and create more tool space. Yeah. So like our, our house is weird because it's kind of two stories, but like the top story is where you live. And then the bottom story is all open cellar and a garage for storage. Mm -hmm. So that's cool. And the plasma tables in the garage, but the cellar, you have tons of storage room. And um, yeah, the shop gets cramped though. And you can't have two vehicles in there at once. Just fine. Cause I really shouldn't be working on more than one at a time. That just gets too much. Um, can you mention any literate that you'd recommend reading on suspension dynamics slash, uh, well, I don't know. He wants literature on suspension. Oh yeah. That uh, chassis engineering textbook. Just look up um, like chassis engineering on Amazon. There's, Certain sections of the mechanical engineering textbook that deal with like uh, steel and forming steel structures that are really worth reading. And then I don't know what else is good because even like Crawlpedia, a lot of their information is wrong and a lot of it you just have to. Well, okay, there's a new version of the suspension calculator. It's version 5.5 and with it, you can plot front and rear in the same and you can figure out like motion ratio for coilovers you can figure out like drive shaft plunge it has 
maybe like five times as much stuff as a normal four link calculator. And it's on irate4x4.com, which is the new Pyrate. It's not oh. Pyrate, it's irate. But you have to be a member to download it. So you become a member, go on the resources tab, download it, and then you can plot like, oh, I have a three link front. I have a four link rear. You can see what your roll axis angle is front to rear. Um, you can plot everything in it. It's honestly, they spent a ton of work on it and it's absolutely killer. It's like as good as Dan Barcroft did making the original four link calculator. It's that good all over again, the way they've expanded it. And you can set like your coilover mounting locations too and see that. And it's just great. I would play around with that with some numbers that you have and then just read those books and read a bunch on the internet, but only believe things that can be proven mathematically pretty much. So history of KOH. Dude, it, uh, it started out with some dudes and they won like a 30 rack and now they're all millionaires. So that's crazy. And then they're like, yeah, I don't know what it used to be like and where it's going. It used to be small, dude. And it was like super cool. And now it, it's, I think it's too big. Honestly, now is we didn't go this year. Um, partially because we had to work and then we we're going to pit for Amber, who, again, absolutely killed it in Is her samurai rock star. Yeah. Yeah. But um, yeah, uh, she didn't need pitting because she got sponsored and they took care of it. And then which I don't great. know, yeah. which is great. And then also it's like it's for sure spread a shitload of covid. Like, ain't nobody wearing a mask I, and hammers. I was really surprised. Like, I was paying attention and, like, waiting for them to be like, oh, we can't do it. Yeah, I can't believe they didn't cancel it. Because it's not exactly the most, like, health-conscious crowd, considering I saw them shoot bottle rockets at Life Flight when they were drunk at 2 a.m. Last year? Yeah, yeah, like, literally last year. So, I don't know. Uh, why you haven't been getting YouTube videos out and where the fuck's Brit dot dot dot. I feel like it's cutting um, off some of these questions. No, I think that's a real question. I have been super busy with my new job. Yeah, Brittany and, has a new job. She's very uh, important. It's been one year now. Yes. This week yeah. since I worked there. Wow. Um, And it's, as you can imagine, a new job in the COVID era has been very difficult and poses a lot of different challenges that you have to figure out. And I wish that I had more time to spend in the shop with Ian. Mm -hmm. I really do. Yeah, but it just doesn't work. And you have to, we both just work all day (laughs) and all weekend and all night. And we just work constantly and we don't ever have fun. So that's cool. Uh, That's a good time. Um, The thing with the YouTube videos, right? Is that like, One minute of YouTube video might take 30 minutes to an hour worth of work. So the reason why there's no like actual shops that have real YouTube channels and like pretty much a majority of YouTube is dudes who don't actually know anything, who are explaining to you things that they themselves just learned on YouTube is because they're the only ones who have the time for it. And the personality. And then they have like a whole crew of people who film it. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. due to the... The fab work on YouTube is so bad. They're like these dudes who get tons of views and I look at their stuff and I'm like, I would never let that leave our shop. It's awful. But, you know, it's you got to play to the algorithm and stuff. So we will be doing more videos. Uh, I am going to shoot a video on at least a before and after video. I'm putting these zone control internal bypasses on a fourth gen forerunner. 
And I'll be shooting like a before and after suspension video, at least on it. It might not be that impressive, but we'll see. I re I'm really into the zone control stuff, which is pretty dope. They do 112s. Difference between three link, four link for us beginners, SAS tips, somewhere you want to wheel in the future. If you're doing a front suspension that you are going to drive on the street at all, you pretty much have to do a three link. Because a four link with a fully hydraulic suspension system just is not really safe to drive on the road. Because you're just, you are opening yourself up to so many failures that could cause harm to someone else. So I don't really care about hurting myself, but I don't want to hurt anyone else. So that's mm -hmm. why I like, I care about brakes and I care about mechanical linkage and steering, but I'm sure I've probably said that way too many times. So you can just go back and listen to me bitch about like any of the failures <laughs> that can happen with fully hydraulic steering. And also when the engine is dead, you can't really turn the wheels. Mm -hmm. So that's an issue too. Or if the engine dies or you throw a belt, lose hydraulic pressure, one of your seals blows out, blah, blah, blah. You lose steering completely. So if that mm -hmm. happens on the freeway, um, you're screwed. You can't merge out of your lane to even pull into the shoulder. You're just stuck in the middle of the freeway, dead in the water. So and it, you don't hear about it happening that much because it's not very common that people drive fully hydraulic systems on the street. Or when it does fail, they lie about it. Two, as with a bunch of people I've seen on Instagram who I find out have been having issues with their fully hydraulic steering for like six months, but want to pretend like they're not, which is not really the people we are at all. I will tell you guys if we have issues and then I am happy to admit when it's my fault. Like there's of all the things you can call me. I'm not a liar. That is 100% true. Yeah, I do not lie. <laughs> and I'm also my own biggest hater, too. You 100% so like, are. Some yeah. people like really hate me, I feel like. And I kind of like them more because of it. Because I'm like, like dude, they the have same. some points, man. <laughs> <laughs> like, you guys ain't wrong. You know what I mean? <laughs> like... <laughs> All right. Uh, Ultra Four Jones wants to know about business, financials, taxes, the dollars and cents side of working for yourself, how to. And then it cuts out because I did yeah. a terrible job screenshotting this. He placed 11th this year. I saw that. With he did awesome. Made in like 2007. I the know. dude is running like one inch Johnny joints on his lowers. I don't know how they didn't explode. They have like a 30,000 pound radial load rating. Mm -hmm. um, he did great. He killed yeah. it at King of the Hammers. Absolutely killer work. Uh, I feel like we already talked about it. Taxes, don't do them while you're drunk. The dollar cent side of working oh. for yourself. Yeah, that part, it just doesn't make any sense, dude. I just work all the time. But I diversify our income a ton. So I have like six different income streams. Yeah, and you know, it changes over time. And we're hoping that in the next few years, we'll see a difference and things might change. We might not have to work as much. That's the goal. But we'll see. Yeah, we're trying to set ourselves up for success in the future. So it's like uh, suffer now so you can be happy later. Right. Pretty much. That's my whole thing. How do you work 120 hours a week and don't just die? Well, I don't know how I do that. Uh, you do just die. <laughs> yeah, I do. Dude. I'm not doing good, man. Uh, yeah, that's, that's how it works. If you work 120 hours a week, you die. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I've done it before, though, like when I was working at the fire department and I was a dispatcher, I think I was working like 100 hours a week on average. And there was a one point that I was at the fire department parking lot and I was in between shifts and I just had like a head of iceberg lettuce that I was dipping into a jar of peanut butter to eat. <laughs> oh, my God. 
And um, I was just like, what the fuck am I doing with my life? And then I fell asleep <laughs> while I was eating it because I, I don't think I'd slept in like two and a half days. Oh, my God. And like, I think Chief knocked on my window and he was like, dude, what the fuck are you doing? And I was like, oh, fuck you. Yeah, I'm so sorry. I missed <laughs> shift. And he was like, just trying to he was live. like, no, you don't have a shift today. And I was like, oh, oh God, I thought God. I had a shift and I didn't. And I missed my shift at the dispatchers. And he like called the dispatcher or the EMT truck or whatever I was working at. And he's like. He's like, this dude, he cannot work right now. Yeah, you need to give him yeah. a break. <laughs> and he, I think he made me sleep like four hours at the station before he let me drive home too. Like oh I just, God. I just wouldn't sleep. I would just work all day and all yeah. night constantly. So yeah, you just die. It's not good. Um, Yeah. I realize we've hit the two hour mark and it's kind of late. I, know. But I feel like we keep going, right? If you, you want okay? to, or I'm we can save some going. of these. Yeah, okay, we it. can keep going. Yeah. Um. What? Oh, yeah. All right, Brittany's got to pee. I'm just going to okay, keep it around. Okay, all right, I got to pee. But yeah, fuck it. You want to hear from him. Yeah. I'm the sex appeal anyways. All right, Chevy 63s versus four link on the rear of an 80 series. Did I do Chevy 63s? That'd be dope. On the rear of an 80 series? It would. The cool thing about Chevy 63s is that they handle weight really well. And I would say that leaf springs handle weight better than coilovers because they have a higher linear spring rate. So like on the rear end of a Tacoma, when you get like the heavy duty expedition pack and stuff, you might have like a 200 pound per inch spring rate. Whereas if you were to get, let's say, coilovers that have like a 200 pound per inch spring rate, you'd be running like 10 inch coilovers or something crazy with the right amount of up travel. And also leaf springs are progressive. And then you have the benefit of load leafs too, which will make them be more progressive. And they just handle weight better, just in general. So this person wants to know about getting into fabricating, what qualifications you got and how it all started. Man, I have been pretty much just super lucky. Like I've worked at a couple shops and they have really helped me out. Um, give me some skills and some classes and stuff that have helped me succeed later in life. But a lot of it, I have learned the hard way and I've learned from doing. And what I do is I surround myself with people who are much, much smarter than me. And I ask a lot of questions and I am always paying attention to what they're doing and I'm always learning. So that's like the number one thing that you can do in life is be teachable. Like I'm the most teachable person. If you tell me something, I will sit there and recite it. I will go home and I will practice it a hundred times. Like I was shown a new technique for MIG welding six months ago and I bought two 20 foot sticks of steel and I put them in the bandsaw and I cut them into three inch segments and I hole saw notched them and I welded 40 feet together in three inch segments just to practice this new technique that I was showed. So yeah, I think that's important. Being teachable, super key. So I guess, oh, fuck, that's actually the end of the questions. So don't work that much. You have to set boundaries too. Like I pretty much don't have boundaries. I just work all the time. I work Saturday, Sunday. Um, if you need something at 10 at night, I will answer you and I will work. If you need help with like valving a set of Fox 2.5s that you want to buy and you email me at 11, if I'm awake, I will answer it. And I try and be really good about answering emails. I'm really bad about answering DMs though. That's the like... Some days I can get 300 to 400 direct messages a day on Instagram. And there's just not enough. Not only is there not enough time, but I don't have like the emotional reserves to sit there and sift through them. So that's kind of the issue. 
We're at, oh, Brittany's back now. We're out of questions, dude. What? That's it. Yeah, that was really? the end of the questions. Yeah. Oh so my you're, goodness. You should have just held it, bro. Oh man, I really had to pee though. Yeah. Uh, oh, okay. It seemed like there was a lot. Yeah. Well, so that's good. I hope you gave good advice at the end there. I couldn't uh, check you. Yeah, I hope I did too, I guess. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. If you guys have suggestions for things that you want to hear on podcasts, I feel like I pretty much just repeat the same, like, 10 things every time. So that's why I'm trying to do interviews. But, like, I don't want to do interviews with just, like, people who are, like, insta-famous. I want to do it with, like, people who work in the off-road industry or have, like, a very specific skill set that people maybe don't know about. So, yeah, like, who are experts in their field, for mm-hmm. sure. So like suspension tuning and chassis design, uh, a couple of like dudes who fabricate heavy stuff for a living. Yeah. When I have them come in, I there's I have one buddy who I'm trying to convince to do this podcast. He uh, is like a super smart dude. He builds computer chips for satellites and he built his own plasma table in his garage. Yeah. After watching a YouTube video. So I'd love to talk to him about that. Um, and people like that. Just people yeah. who are interesting, like fucking secret nerds. That's what I'm yes. doing. People like white trash nerds pretty much, but, but they don't have to be white. Being white is not a prerequisite <laughs> to being white trash. That is true. Yeah. That's very accurate from what you can tell in the uh, off-road industry. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So yeah, just like super smart dudes. Yeah. That would uh, be great. Yeah. Anything else to add, babe? Or should we just end it? I think, I think we should probably just end it. Yeah, let's just fucking end it. Uh, just fucking end also, it. just so you know, I know it's been a while since we put out a podcast, but that's the only reason we're doing it now is because we've run out of shows to watch. <laughs> yeah, that's literally it. We watched a bunch of good shows, though. We watched Warrior, which is on HBO, and it's a tribute to Bruce Lee. It's based on like Bruce Lee's original writings. And yeah, really they, good. Yeah, his daughter came across his writings yeah. and then they put this together. It's basically like Gangs of New York, but like San Francisco Chinatown in the 1880s. Yeah, it's super good. What else? We watched all of Adventure Time all the way of through. Course. Oh, dude, Adventure Time is so good. Mm-hmm. Um, if you guys haven't seen The Expanse on Amazon, it's really good too. It's like a sci-fi show with super realistic physics, and they do a good job. Um, we can't forget that we watched all of the Fast and Furious Correct. franchise. We did watch all of Fast and Furious, chronological order, but we missed Tokyo Drift because we both kind of fucking hate that movie. It's pretty bad. Yeah, it's hard to watch. And then there's this really funny YouTube video from the Donut Media guys where they rank the cringiest lines from every movie and decide who's like the most cringy. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that was a fun time watching was, all the Fast and Furious. Yeah, I would do that again. That was a good way to cap it off. Yeah, in another like year or two. Um, those movies are bad. They're just like straight up bad. There's they're no way around terrible, it. Terrible, but classic. Yeah, you know? they're just, but they're not even like bad enough that they're bad good movies or good bad movies. They're just like, <laughs> they're just bad. <laughs> and the first couple are kind of rough. It's like women are just objects. Yeah. And it's like clearly written by a dude who's like never gotten laid. <laughs> And the chick's just like, oh, in this car race, you win me. Like, what the fuck, dude? This bitch is like 16. I know. I love the donut media guys when they like rated that. They were like, I need to talk to your parents. Yeah, like, who the (laughs) hell? So, yeah, they're kind of rough. What else? We were watching some automotive type stuff on YouTube. We watched Matt's Off-Road Recovery. That last, dude, you got to watch this last one they did in the snow. Oh, so good. 
If I get stuck in Utah and I need recovered, I will go out of my way to make sure those people do not show up. Because, <laughs> like, <laughs> like, Jesus, they are just, yeah. it, it just can't not all fuck up. All sorts of fuckery. Yeah, yeah it's so bad. Mm-hmm. The dude, like, doesn't even bring a winch half the time. <laughs> and he, like, I thought an XJ was the worst off-road recovery vehicle possible mm-hmm. and then now they're building like a ford station wagon with an ls as yeah. a recovery vehicle like what are they oh doing my God, i know yeah it's pretty rough but they're fun i really like watching them though that's like one of my favorite channels yeah you know i feel like youtube is the one place that you can like watch new things because right now we're in that like weird window where mm-hmm. like the film industry had to stop during the pandemic and so there's like nothing new out right now. Yeah. And Motor Trend has some stuff out. There's like yeah. some new road kills and faster with Finnegan and stuff. That's pretty much all we watch. I kind of count that towards the like YouTube. Yeah, I guess videos. they are YouTube. They're just mm-hmm. they pulled their stuff off YouTube because they don't care about their fans. You know, no big deal. They just don't want them. That, <laughs> they want them to pay. Um, no, but it makes sense from their standpoint. Uh, yeah. Motor Trend is terrible, though. It's like one of the worst apps <laughs> And I roller coaster. Yeah, I know, right? Well, <laughs> you got to mix in the good with the bad. And some of the shows are like borderline unwatchable. Oh, well, that's well, true. not even yeah. borderline. They are they, like, the only things I can yeah. watch on that are Roadkill, Roadkill Garage, Hot Rod Garage. Yeah, and that's it. That's really the only shows. Mm-hmm. Faster with Finnegan. But some of them are good. Yeah, is that Motor Trend? Yeah. Okay. I like that. That is good. It's okay, yeah. Yeah, Finnegan's great. Yeah, Mm -hmm. he's great. So, this is pretty much all I got. Oh, and Engine Masters, which is like Oh, yeah, I knew we were missing something. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, those are the good ones on there. But the app is so bad, dude. And they like, they just don't come out with enough new shows to make Mm -hmm. it worth it. And, yeah, it's pretty rough. Yeah. So, instead, we'll, uh, I guess, be making podcasts again. Yeah, I guess. (laughs) Well, so Discovery Channel bought out Motor Trend, which is funny because they all used to shit talk Discovery Channel like reality TV type stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, do you remember when we got interviewed by Discovery Channel for our own reality show? Oh, my God. Yeah. We should have an episode just about that. That was terrible. Yeah, it was so bad, dude. What? They? Oh, my God. <laughs> the questions that they asked. They like wanted us to fight. What yeah. made you more mad, that or when BF Goodrich wanted us to do a commercial and they were just like super sexist and shitty towards you? You know, in the moment, it was definitely BF Goodrich because it was so blatantly sexist. Yeah, it was but gross. When, when I go back and think about it, I'm like, dude, Discovery like wanted us to have a bad marriage. Yeah, like, they wanted us to like fight and argue and stuff while we're off-roading. Yeah. Yeah. All of the questions were like, but what did you argue about? Like, what yeah. kind of fights did you have when you were camping? And we we're like, no, no. Like, <laughs> we don't really like sometimes shit's all fucky, but then, you know, later on it's less fucky. So yeah. nah, it's all right. And they didn't care about the types of fuckery. They no. were like, oh, but what did you guys fight about? Yeah, they wanted <laughs> like they didn't care about like fixing stuff or like treating injuries or yeah. anything. They just wanted us to fight and argue. Yeah. Not that like BF Duke Goodrich, I'm still they're still on my shit right now. No, I know. Like, we've I'm never so pissed off. We have not them. bought a single BF Goodrich mm-hmm. product since then. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. Just too bad because I know a bunch of guys who work in the BF Goodrich garage during hammers, which great. I think is great, but it's like it's shitty to paint the whole organization. But honestly, we just had it was it was so sexist. Yeah, they were so just so blatant. shitty to you that I just yeah, I'm not over it. I know. 
So yeah. that's fine. That's I mean, you see, we don't run any BF Goodrich products on anything yeah. we build. So there you go. That's the way she goes. Yeah. So I guess we'll end this one on an <laughs> up note. So here we go. Normally I go through and I edit these podcasts and I'll get rid of like, we do a lot of this. Yeah, there's a bunch like of things that we don't or like even weird realize. stuff. Yeah. yeah. And I'll go through and I'll like edit them out and stuff. But this one is too long. So I'm just going to tell you guys, if you made it this far. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> I have not edited this. I'm not going to equalize it. I'm not going to do shit. I'm just going to post it. It's yeah. like 10 at night. You're going to get this raw. Yeah, that's raw. We're coming to you live (laughs) from our fucking office right next to our bedroom. Yeah, we're going to go make dinner. Yeah. Ooh. What are we having tonight? Ooh. Seared ahi? Yes. Something like that. Something like that. Probably dinosaur chicken nuggets, dude. (laughs) You guys know us. Yeah, y'all know. All right, so everybody, stay cool, stay classy, and here's to being single Making double and seeing triple. triple. I don't think that was right, but no, you get the idea. Brittany was giving me the stank eye the whole time I said that, too. Only because you said it wrong. What? If you're going to live wild and free, you might as well do it right. Okay. All right. This has gone on like an hour and 15 minutes too (laughs) long. That's how all of our goodbyes go. All right. Cheers, guys. Thank you.